In a world filled with sharks, bears, and killer bees, one man is brave enough to stay indoors to bring you the latest in gaming, movie, and pop culture news. That man is Tom Awesome, and this is the Outside is Overrated podcast. Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated, a podcast about gaming and nerd pop culture. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Tom Sidlachik, and today we are going to discuss Far Cry. We're going to talk about the series evolution from 3 to 5, and then we'll do a deep dive into Far Cry 6. Joining me for the discussion today are my dear friends Brian the Hummer Camille. And the ever-fancy Billy Perot. What the f***'s up? Hey guys, how good? My first swear is... 25 seconds in. I hope that's the record. I was planning on doing it. That's going to be the easiest to edit, I'd hope. I was listening to the latest one with John. No. What was the latest one? Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. Mm -hmm. And I think you swore a half an hour into the podcast. Yeah. No, it was a good run. It was a good run. It was good. So I wanted to make it the quickest swear. Yeah, I appreciate that. Try to uh, keep your filthy mouth under control so I can... got it. Yeah. Brian, you haven't been on since the Bloodborne episode. That was over a year ago. What have you been up to, dude? Oh, man. It's been that long. Um, uh, A lot of different things. So, uh, Far Cry nonstop here for the last, like, month and a half trying to catch up to get ready for this podcast. Um, But a lot of fun games came out in the meantime, too. I've been playing a lot of, like, Metroid Dread. Um, I've been playing a game called Windjammers 2. If any of you guys remember Windjammers from like the Neo Geo system back in the day. What on earth was Windjammers? Is it a windsurfing game? No, it's even better. It's like two opponents throwing a frisbee back and forth and you got to try to get it into your opponent's goal. It's like Pong, but everybody has a headband on. So that's pretty neat. (laughs) Does it have like those platforms that explode under you like Tron? No, this is a top-down view. It's the most... It's it's essentially like a fighting game in a lot of regards, and it's it's funny how there's this huge following from like the back in the Neo Geo days, and it actually had enough uh, enough momentum behind it that they wound up creating a second one. Let me uh, let me put you on the spot here, Brian. We did the Borderlands episode, and you checked out on Tales from the Borderlands after like eight minutes. You're playing Windjammers too. This is actually a game that was like a choose your own adventure, but worse. Thanks for having that as a choice. No, let's talk about how that particular studio is doing. Tell me all the great blockbusters they've put out since then. Hey, Wolf Among Us 2 is getting made. Oh, yeah. Did that take a Kickstarter because they folded up like a cheap tent? Mm Mm-hmm. You have a lot of anger in your heart, my friend. We're like two minutes into this, and you guys are already (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that was probably the hardest game for me to get through because it just it was and for me i'm not a story driven guy so like if it's action i'm I'm locked in we just happen to choose something that's in the genre that is like my kryptonite i thought and- we'd try a uh, taste breaker for you and get your experience as someone who doesn't necessarily enjoy that genre clearly i'm not casey <laughs> casey will sit down and get through everything for us but i apparently have less resolve <laughs> i mean casey made it through castlevania too that is a feat of incredible fortitude that was Wicked impressive, considering how hard that was. Yeah, that game sucked. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, Billy's here, too. Billy, Hi. you <laughs> usually cover movies for OIO. Oh, you I haven't do. been on since the Tarantino episode. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, so you've been watching a lot of baking or what? No, no bake. Well, I have been baking, yes. I finished the Great British Baking Show's final or latest season, so that's the last baking 
show I have watched. No, what I've been doing since Man Alive. Um, well, I think I'm stuck in a fever dream of Far Cry games now. I think I probably could play all of those blindfolded. And let me uh, let me put you on the spot. You have a tendency to play a game series through one game after another after another. And we had talked about mm-hmm. this on OIO before. I think you had played three, four, five in succession before this, correct? That is correct. So you played six, and then you went back, and you're dabbling with those old games too. Mm-hmm. Was that a fun experience? Is this going to be a good show? It's going to be a great show, absolutely, yes. because I've got a great fresh set of eyes on it again, and I've paid a lot more attention to detail and bugs and stuff I didn't like and stuff I appreciated from all the games, so yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked for this show, for sure. I can't wait to get into it. You've also been watching The Expanse. I have not seen an episode of The Expanse, but we talked about it on last month's show, like how, just how good is this show and how critically do us sci-fi fans need to get to it? I'm really happy you brought it up on the last show on your guys's latest episode and none of us had seen it no one saw it and i was like come on we all watched <laughs> cowboy so bebop good. which was terrible but we haven't seen the expanse the expanse is 100 percent worth the watch i put it up on our chat before you guys have seen i breeze through that thing it's on amazon right now it is i've watched videos on youtube on like physicists and astrophysicists talking about the expanse because in their eyes it's the most uh accurate physics-based science fiction show there is they do a really good job at like how the body uh acclimates to space when these people are born in the asteroid belt their bodies are actually formed differently as well as they are on mars because of the gravity differences the way that they float through space when there's zero g and then the story on top of it is just fantastic. So I 100% recommend watching The Expanse. 100%. I wonder how they got the physics right. Like, are the authors of the original books, like, physicists by trade? Is that where they started before branching into sci-fi writing? That's you know, always crazy to me. Is like, how how do you reach out to someone and go, hey, look, I'm writing a book. I need you to tell me how the physiology of a human would change if he was born on the moon. No big deal. Just get back to me by the end of the week. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> who has those resources to reach out to on that? You just have to have the right people that you talk to. I mean, look at it like uh, like Scrubs is to this day is still like the most medically accurate like show there ever was compared to all of them. Plus, it's got a killer song by Colin Hay, Overkill. I love that song. I do too. So good. So good. So yeah, you just have to have the right people on your side, you know, to contact and whatnot. But um, <laughs> no, going back to The Expanse, the characters are great. The stories are fantastic. They're hour-long episodes six seasons that's perfect how many episodes per season 10 or okay so, so you're probably. gonna put in a mouth guard if you're gonna do this you're gonna you be are, in it for gonna, the long haul yeah but okay. I, I i breezed through it and i say breeze through it just because streaming is available these days and it's amazing how crazy you can get caught up in those shows yeah and you don't have two babies that does happen. I am jealous. Well, I'm not jealous. I love my children. It's just <laughs> <laughs> the free time for consuming media is severely limited. Mm-hmm. I spent literally months of my free time preparing for this show right here. And I got f- like three hours into Far Cry 4. <laughs> <sighs> well, I have been playing a little bit of Vampire Survivors. And I'm going to go on the record. Vampire Survivors is the best bang for your buck that you can possibly get in gaming. For $3, I've been completely enchanted by this silly little thing in early access on Steam. 
why aren't you guys playing this? This is a survival game. You get a combination. It's a, you do a run, each run lasts up to a half an hour. You get six weapons and six items that you get to swap out. You try to survive against swarms of enemies. There's no ranged attack, so everything has to basically run into you. And if your weapons can mow them down, you keep going until something eventually overwhelms you. There's evolution of weapons, there's a bunch of unlocks, and it's just a fantastic game and I can't I can't stop playing or thinking about it. I'm trying to get all of the Steam achievements. It's the only achievement driven game I've ever had because each achievement unlocks something within the game too. So now it's it's thirty minutes in a run. Do you get to carry on anything or is it just you unlock things or is it like a roguelike? Uh you mostly unlock things. You there is money that you earn during each run that you use to buy unlocks that you've unlocked. And then at thirty minutes death shows up and I feel like you can kill death. I have not killed death yet, but I'm trying every single run now. Like I'm trying to think of a new way to try to beat death. And I think I think I have a strategy. It's just surviving through that last wave at like the 29th minute to get to death to see if it's going to work or not. It's like, oh, well, I just wasted the last 29 minutes of my life. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Yeah. I got to do this again right now. <laughs> Vampire Survivors. It's awesome. And it's $3 on Steam. If you have... If you have the same client, like, buy Vampire Survivors. It's great. How'd you hear about that one, by the way? I heard about it from our friend John Munch. <gasps> John? I love John. Yeah, love he John. Uh, he brought it up on Unfiltered one month. I had seen him on Steam, and, like, he had just bought his gaming laptop, and he's all excited for his gaming laptop, and I see him on Steam, and he's playing something called Vampire Survivors, and so, like, I'm poking at him a little bit on Unfiltered. He's like, it's this great time waster. You gotta check it out. And, like, he kept saying, it's only $3. You gotta try it. It's only $3. I'm like, fine. I have $3 of Brian's money. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> totally, all right. It's totally worth it. I practically own half of, of this game, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, you do, and thank you, because it's uh, it is so fun. It's uh, it's the simplest and most addictive game I've played in a very long time. Sweet, wow. that sounds awesome. Yeah, good times. Before we launch into Far Cry, we want to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn as in Minnesota dot com. If you enjoy our content, you can support the show at patreon.com slash OIO. You can also follow us on social at overratedpod at gmail.com, TomSidLogicOIO on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Outside is Overrated. You guys have handles you want to share? You bunch of shut-ins? Shut-in. Uh, no. Yeah, Thank you. all right. Terrific. Thank Great. you. For our first segment, we are going to talk about the history of Far Cry. The series launched in 2004 with mainline entries in 2008, 2012, 2014, 2018, and 2021. There are six mainline entries as well as offshoots on the Xbox, Wii, and in the arcade. They set the core gameplay loop in 3, and they have iterated on it ever since. And that's why I wanted to focus our discussion from 3 forward, because that's kind of how the modern Far Cry was started. Here's a brief rundown of the core gameplay loop of... A typical Far Cry game. There is a big bad guy. You join a resistance. You climb lots and lots and lots of towers. You take down forts. You build your arsenal. You take down more forts and bases. You kill a ton of dudes. You earn XP, level up, and buy skills. You expand your area of influence. You take out more bases and forts, and then you shoot the bad guy. Man, this game sounds really boring when you break it down, but that was that was really accurate. It's that's, how that's, the that's gameplay loop. Absolutely loop. accurate. Yeah. yeah. Man, it doesn't sound good when you read it in Cliff Note versions, does it? <laughs> well, it's reading it out of context. Man. <laughs> and it's fascinating that they just, that's the formula, and like it really carries over from 3, 4, 5, 6. They changed it up, I think, in a couple of interesting ways, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's start by talking about the feedback we got from our Discord server. 
We got some interesting feedback on the series as a whole from our OIO Discord channel. Jim said he enjoyed 3 and Blood Dragon was fun, but he couldn't get halfway through 5. I can see that. So, Blood Dragon, Jim, you might be my spirit animal. I have this huge... uh, uh, Boner. Boner. Eagle. uh, I think Case used the word fetish for this term once. <laughs> for uh, I love like anything '80s, anything like um, kind of synth-based, right? And Blood Dragon was a DLC that came out, and basically they got the guy that was the he was the main protagonist from Terminator. They had him come in to voice the main character, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Terminator, Terminator One. Arnold the bad guy. I've never actually seen Terminator 1. Okay. I'm glad we're talking yeah, to a sci-fi nerd over here. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I've seen Judgment Day. You're yeah, talking the main yeah. bad guy from Terminator 2 who plays T-1000? No, it's the... So it's the... In the first Terminator, Arnold's the bad guy. And then there's the guy that was sent from the future. So if you guys can remember all the way back to our Metal Gear Solid podcast... Oh, he's, God, that was five years ago. Yeah, he's the likeness that's on the uh, Metal Gear game card. It's it, Japan basically stole the image from the box art. Um, but that said, so the game basically takes place in this, like, neo-future. And the game starts off with playing. You're in a chopper. You have, you're firing a machine gun turret. And it's playing the song from Predator that Jesse Ventura is blasting as he's coming into the jungle. And I lost my freaking mind. Uh, the game has laser uh, dragons that have laser eyes. Uh, it's really wonderful if you get a chance. Uh, it's just like an homage to 80s love. So, Jim, you, God, you brought up just a wonderful thing. This sounds more like a Borderlands game than it does a Far Cry game. It was, it's very Far Cry in the fact that when you play it, it is pretty much the exact same formula that you just broke down here. But it's a much more smaller, it's a much more bite-sized world. Um, but the whole thing is nothing but like 80s cliches and just ridiculous things. At one point, to defeat a reactor, your guy has to use his bionic hand just to punch it hard enough. Um, so there's not a lot of deep writing to it. Um, and it's it's just wonderful because it is so, it is so ridiculous in that regard. Fascinating. I've never played Blood Dragon. I most haven't. Uh, Mike agreed with Jimmy. He said, I agree with all that. It was very good and Blood Dragon, a fun side story. Five was the worst Far Cry since Far Cry 2. He also notes that the ending was garbage. He thinks that four is the best in the series and that Far Cry Primal was quite good too. Either of you guys play Primal? Uh, yes. How was it? Good. As far as... Better than like Assassin's Creed Origins? Duh. How does it compare to Ghost Recon Wildlands? I'm just gonna keep naming random stuff. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. Games right now. <laughs> I didn't play it because there's no guns. It was all like what spears and bows and mm-hmm. slings, right? And I just I thought the guns are such an integral part of the gameplay. Like, how did how was it? They doing a good, a, a okay job with it. You know, for what it is. You know, it's, okay, that's a ringing endorsement. Yeah, know, it's, it's pretty it's okay. okay. It wasn't terrible. I wouldn't spend sixty bucks on the game. Okay. But it's on sale for like 15 bucks. Sure, why not pick it up, you know? I think it's one of those games. Brian, you want to buy like 50 copies and just distribute them to the OIO community? Just see see what their opinion is on the matter? Yeah, we'll just uh, give them your home address. They can all come knock on the door. No, like, uh, I think that's the first time... I think Primal was the first Far Cry to introduce the, like, civilization upgrading. 
Oh, like from New Dawn? Yeah. That was the first time I encountered yeah. it, but Primal so was Primal before. does it too, because you you go and you recruit different... Tribes, right? Tribes, right? And these shamans and different warriors from other clans. Is Primal like before 5 or after 5? Like in, in its release date. Well, Primal would... Oh, release date. Yeah. Before? There are three years between 4 and 5. Okay, so maybe... I think Primal's tucked in there, right? I think I that's... Think it's between 4 and 5. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. They pump out a lot of Far Cry games. John Munch adds, Blood Dragon was the only one he played outside the first. That seems interesting to not play the base game of 3, but to just play Blood Dragon. Was that a standalone expansion? Could you play that without playing 3? I think you can. As of right now, they just re-released it too, so that if you... There's three DLCs for Far Cry 6, um, and they did re-release blood dragon as part of that so if you bought the three dlcs as part of the expansion pass they they did give that to you as well also interesting that being as john's such a good friend of the show that tom apparently can't spell his name correctly oh i did misspell it <laughs> yeah there is no h in john yeah really, john you'll really care about you john notes, thanks but, uh, for a vampire survivor game yeah john <laughs> john Munch. thanks john hmm Moving on, Brandon said five was really slow, but he still beat it. He played the S out of six. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Billy. Thank yeah, you. I'm, I'm here for you, Billy. <laughs> uh, regarding six, he thought the open world was really fun, and it felt like they had an agenda and a story. I don't know if I copied that over poorly. Uh, he doesn't feel like the story got in the way of the open world play if you wanted to just play the game like that. There were times that he was having so much fun just messing around in the world that he had to remember that there were story missions. Not only that, but they rewarded your exploration a bit. He remembers taking down a base early on, but the story took you through that base later on, so he had to walk right in, grab a keycard, and be on his way. He thought it was a lot of fun. Man, it's so weird to me how many people dislike 5. I had a blast with it. Part of it, I think, was playing with you, because you and I were playing New Dawn together and and kind of horsing around there. A lot of the feedback I've seen online for the complaints on 5 was, oh, hey, it wasn't in some tropical, far-off, exotic location. It was taking place in the mountains in Montana. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's it to me, but, like, I had an absolute blast playing it, and the environment was gorgeous. And oh, it was, yeah, yeah. It was like going to my hometown of Mora and just trying to destroy an evil cult. It was kind of lovely that way. Well, that does make sense, because Mora is an evil cult. It can be. A lot yeah. of Swedes cross-country skiers can't trust them with their wooden shoes and their ludifisk three swears so far tom yeah you're killing me here billy you're making this a lot more work cannot wait for you to edit this this is gonna be great (laughs) yeah thank you uh and finally joey said he's only played like an hour of far cry 4 and then fell away from it at this point he feels like the series has kind of passed him by which is interesting i think that six is a great place to jump on with far cry because it's polished it's great all of the games are standalone things so that like I, I get it. My brain very much works in a linear fashion. If I'm going to read a book series, I read one, two, three, four. And then yep. if book five comes out three, four years down the line and I'm going to read it, well, I have to reread one, two, three, four. I mean, this was pre-kids. And now I just read the new book and say, shut up, stupid brain. Uh, but with Far Cry, each one is such a different and standalone thing. I think you can really jump in at any point that interests you. And I think, I think it's a really good series in that... It hasn't passed anyone by. If you have an interest in maybe not a running gun type shooter, I think Far Cry is awesome. And like you said, they are so compartmentalized from one another that you can really pick up anyone you want. And it is just essentially its own episode. So you you don't have to like go through the series if you don't want to. There's some awesome characters that you might miss, Mm -hmm. but they're not really ever talked about again. So you're just going to get introduced to the new ones anyways. You'll get little Easter eggs here and there from past games and stuff like that. A couple of characters. We'll get into that later and whatnot for sure. But uh, 
No, I agree. I think you could pick up any one of the games and enjoy the experience. Yeah, so uh, Joey, stop playing crappy old games on your Twitch stream and start playing some Far Cry, yo. Put down Smash Brothers. Yeah, forever. Scott. And Brian. That's the one game I still play monthly with my friends and that will not stop. Sorry. (laughs) Not going to stop. Let's talk about each of the individual games from 3 through 5 a little bit. You two have both played a ton of Far Cry. Billy, what originally drew you into the series? Brian actually did, and so I'm really happy to be doing this episode with him. I think you introduced me to four. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, because I think we didn't we we played a little bit of four together. Yep. Because that was one of the first ones that introduced co-op, and then Billy and I found out that if you play with your buddy. It gives you absolutely nothing, nor does it advance your own story. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was such a stupid thing. So we're like, oh, well, that was super fun, but I just basically wasted two hours of my own game time. Time to go back to my own campaign. No, I, uh, yeah, I, it, was, it was Brian who introduced it to me because I think I was, I'm not a big online, like, Call of Duty type of player. I like campaign first-person shooters if we're doing something like that. And so he actually said, you know, if you're doing... I don't know if we were playing like Black Ops or Modern Warfare or something like that. Uh, You said you'd really like Far Cry. Start at four because it's the best one that's out so far. And I think it was just three and four that were out at the time. Yeah, and I think at that time. I can't remember. Yeah, we were playing. I want to say we were on PS4s maybe at that point or something like that. But I remember like the three hadn't been out since the 360. So it was really the only thing to play. Right, exactly. So yeah, that's where I came into the game. And Brian, Far Cry 4 was also your entry into the franchise. How did you stumble across it? Uh, I had gotten a PS4, and for any of us that always are so excited to go rush out and buy a new console, um, nothing was available for the first year of it. And that's how it always works for all you PS5 owners. So the... PS4 had come out, and I wanted to play something that had a little bit of a... I want to play an FPS, and there was really so little available. Killzone Shadowfall. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic series that it's still going strong. So You just have so much hate in your heart. I don't have hate in my heart. You've never even played Killzone. How can you dump on... I've played Killzone for like 20 minutes. You guys need more mimosas. I will have more mimosas in a moment. Uh, for me, though, it was it just... No, I hate mimosas. They don't even make mimosas anymore. Mimosas are done forever. They closed their mimosa studio. Tom is super cranky in the morning. Fired the, up, yo. So, basically, it was available on the PS4, and it was it was different. It was really different. There was like, a lot more stealth involved to it, and I love... like We, we, we did the Metal Gear series uh, about five years ago, which Tom just referenced, and it was a little bit like that. It was really cool. I enjoyed how beautiful the world was. I enjoyed the progression of being able to craft items and to make sure that I could have more inventory and and just kind of exploring and cooler guns and all that kind of stuff. And it just hooked me. And then Pagan Min, who is the main baddie in that game, is so charming and sadistic and witty. It just it just hooked me. And and I've been a fan ever since four and a big enough fan now where I've gone back to play three and gone through the rest of the series outside mm-hmm. of one and two. Yep. What about the arcade and the Wii games? Man, I watched a couple videos on the Wii game. Did you watch the Evolution of Far Cry video? That's like 17 minutes? Yes. Oh, that was fascinating. I I had no idea most of those games existed. Yeah. Yeah. The Wii one looks horrendous. Like, it looks like a phone game. And 
I wonder, like, hey, how- give phone games a little bit of credit. They okay. look better than that. There's some more effort there, um, but it's so weird to me. Like, how long is the v- development of a game like that? It can't be more than like a week. Well, it looks just terrible. We should ask Scott. Think about the mainline entries in the series. It was four years, four years, two years, three years, four years in between the mainline games, and then they had all these other games coming out. Like, they must have teams just constantly working on Far Cry forever. Like, imagine what Far Cry projects never saw the light of day with what they did put out. Ubisoft is one of the biggest, isn't it? I know EA Games is absolutely a monster, but Ubi's huge itself. Mm-hmm. I gotta imagine they just have enough teams that are just doing certain games at certain times because they put out a ton of stuff, and they do it pretty annually for a lot of their franchises, so that's a ton of manpower they got going on. Right. Yeah. I know it's, it seems like a copy-paste kind of format between especially like the Far Cry games, but I mean they do a really good job at doing the copy-paste, and again, I, I'm saying that completely not knowing anything about game development outside of what like Scott has explained to us. Yeah, they've got a, they've got a template, and it's it really fits in a lot of different areas. Uh, let's uh, let's go through these games three, four, five, one by one. Three was a revelation back when I worked at GameStop. I was completely hooked on that game. I bought four when it came out, and I had never played it until getting ready for the show. Three released in 2012. It's got a Metacritic rating of 90. 90. Wow. Brian, you had never played three before getting ready for the show. What stood out to you now, going back to it for the very first time? Voss. Voss is, by so many fans of the community, he is considered to be one of the best video game antagonists of all time. Mm-hmm. And and actually playing through it now, I can 100% see why. The, the dialogue is so good. The actor that plays him delivers it in a way that is fantastic. And he's able to just convey the kind of insanity that it's within this man it's he's such a interesting bad guy which sucks because he's actually not even the main bad guy yeah they kill him midway through they just kill him and it's it pisses me off because this reminds me it's for all of you game of thrones fans like when i was playing through three it was almost like when the the night king is killed before cersei right there's this infinitely more powerful interesting threatening person and they're killed first on the last episode of the show in cowboy bebop we talked a lot about vicious and how weak the portrayal of vicious was maybe they were trying to go for a less is more approach with voss where they were trying to make sure that he didn't oversee his welcome that they didn't draw him out that they didn't give him too much exposure and so he stayed memorable by chopping his game time in half basically by killing him midway through the big shocking moment then they should have put more work into the end boss who was just rich jerkish british guy like it it just yeah, no no argument it there. was super he was super lame and super boring um yeah like the puppet master was just like oh well i'm done with you Pew! done and it was it was so anticlimactic and that it I, I would argue that three maybe has the best story it's actually definitely the most interesting story of all of them well we can talk about the story a little bit what i recall from it now i didn't play three to prep for the show because my time is very very limited i did beat it back when it came out and what i recall from the story is you're part of a group of friends that's like partying on this remote island your friends all get captured and so you have to like start stabbing dudes and uh it's really traumatic at first and then like he turns almost into wolfenstein youngblood level of excitement when he's killing dudes midway through there's Voss, who was uh, who abducted your friends, and then he gets killed, and then like you're trying to take down this like drug lord's operation on this island. Is, is it Jason? Is his name Jason Brody? Thank you. And Jason's actually the most interesting. I think of all the playable characters that 
the 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 gamer themselves take on because he actually has the most change he's the most well-rounded from where he starts to where he ends is actually quite a bit of distance and as you're playing it you can see how he's starting to enjoy what he's doing which when we look at four five and six outside of say maybe danny and six four and five your character is pretty flat you you show up you start murdering things and then you just murder things until the game ends that there's really no character development in that regard jason changes um do you have an opinion on that i think it's all on how you decide to go with your character especially in four when you're choosing between um tiger and elephant amida and oh. i'm not gonna remember the Samir. guy's name severe yep severe samir 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 I should have wrote, I should have written this down. Also, I'm terrible at names, so I shouldn't even like throw something out. I there. think it's I, I, depending on where you go. Yeah, essentially, four, in, in you know four, I mean? it's you can choose. Yep, one how wants you to do cultivate it. the drugs, the other one wants to like basically return the country to its tradition. Right, tradition versus moving forward is how you see four. And oh, fascinating! I did not get to that branch. Oh, it's yeah, and it, it's you can really, really you can really make your character a baddie. Towards one faction or the other, not faction, but towards one I character or the other. Fair. You know yeah. what I mean? You can really take the traditional golden path route and keep the country as it was forever in a day, or choose Amita's path and go forward. Yeah, and we'll talk about the ramifications of that when we get into four because yeah. it's it's tough. Yeah, Jason Brody's character though in three had the best character development. I'll say, yeah, absolutely. Yep, and just watching kind of how his relationship changes with his friends as he becomes more sadistic. Um, three is interesting just because it was so much harder. Did you notice that? It's harder to it's harder to draw enemies away. So as you're like trying to sneak into outposts, it's they're so much smaller. They're more difficult to take down in a silent manner because everybody's on top of each other. Yes, wildlife is infinitely more uh, aggressive. dangerous my god they're very aggressive i can't tell you how many times i've got binoculars and with binoculars in this game it's similar to like say metal gear solid 5 where you you can tag people so you know where they are in the location and then go in how many times i'm looking down through binoculars and i'm attacked by a group of wild dogs i'm now swearing firing off a shotgun that's not silenced trying to get rid of them and now the outpost is turning and looking See, i couldn't i couldn't i was trying to think i was trying to think last night was three or four the worst when it came to animal attacks because definitely three golden eagle four yeah that's four yeah and the chat of the sky God. Like, I can't. And dude. don't forget about the dogs. That dolies. Yes. That's yeah. the ones. Because they're always in groups of like three or four. Always in groups. Every single time. Yep. Super frustrating. Brian, you mentioned that the stealth was harder in three. I think uh, there were things that I liked about that compared to further ahead in the series. Uh, one of the things that I did in three, like, I always had to get a high vantage point so you could tag everyone. And they're right there. They're, I think that the game intends you to do that a lot of the time. Yep. And I, uh, I would prioritize shooting the alarm with a sniper rifle so that... They can't call for backups, because if backups come, you may as well just leave, because you're going to lose. In Far Cry, no matter the game, you're going to lose in a toe-to-toe -to -toe firefight. Uh, then I would look for an animal, because most of the animals, like all animals on remote islands, have tigers chained up or something, or caged up, and you shoot the cage, the tiger goes out, and he'll take down a few of the enemies for you. And then you can do some stealth takedowns and whittle down, and then hopefully you have it down to just one or two guys by the time that they notice you. And the way they set up the skill tree in that game... Eventually, you could unlock like multiple takedowns. I, you didn't like the stealth in that. I thought it was 
way more interesting in three and what I've played so far in four than in six, where I'd be popping a dude in the head and everyone would be like, oh, there's a sniper. And then they just stand there and look around, swivel their head while I keep shooting them in the head. I loved, let's be clear, I love the stealth. It was just more difficult oh. in the game. Um, typically when Billy and I play, um, we're typically going in as quietly as we can all the time. Yep. That's just, it's just makes Far Cry a lot easier in that regard. It was harder to separate. I had to rely on throwing rocks to help pull people away a lot more. And Billy, correct me if I'm wrong, is there bait in three? There's bait in four yes, for there's sure. Bait in three. three. Okay, so bait basically what that means is if you kill an animal, you get their fur, you also get what's called bait. Bait basically is a throwable item that you can throw into, say, an outpost or something like that to draw in wild predators. So at that point, now they're distracted. Um, but that was the that was what I had so much fun with in three. Is like, how do I have how do I try to distract this stupid outpost? Do I start a fire on the like west side so I can sneak in on the east side? Do I throw a C four charge, detonate it because in three all the enemies run towards the explosion? So now you're sneaking in from the back end again. It's it's it created a lot more. I think I had to be a lot more strategic in three. Is that the best way to put it? I'd go with that. Yeah, I'd go strategic is a pretty good one. Then thinking about the mindset you want to be in when you play a Far Cry game, like, do you want to have that strategic, more plotting gameplay, or do you want to be more Ghost Recon Wildlands, grip it and rip it, and start shooting dudes in the head with a machine gun? That's tough with Far Cry, because when those alarms go off and they call for reinforcements, they call for reinforcements. Yeah, it sucks. They call for them, and they, like, three Jeeps show up with four dudes in it each, if you're really unlucky, a, a helicopter starts flying and then you're tagging dudes on the ground, but having to dodge, you know, machine gun fire from a helicopter and you better have a rocket launcher because if you don't, you're going to be trying to mow down a helicopter with a submachine gun and then you run out of ammo and then you got to book it out of the base. Yeah, and, and you can you can repel waves like that in any of the games, but you have to be pretty specifically outfitted. Like, you need to have explosives, and you need to have, like, a heavy machine gun because it's sustained fire for some of these enemies, and some of them don't have small amounts of life. On top of that, in 3, you don't have some of the quality of life stuff that you do in the later games, like the health syringes. Having to craft them all the time from the leaves was exhausting and annoying, until was there an auto craft feature that I missed or something? Uh, I don't recall. It's been so long no, since I played. God, I, I think four is the first that introduced auto craft. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, as soon as you would pick up a green leaf and then you had enough, it would just say auto craft has been created. Health syringe. Yeah, which was not the case in three. No, you actually um, had to physically craft. And how? Maybe now that I've got you guys in front of me here, how do you use a hang glider effectively? I can. Effectively, I can fly. How do I get off the wild ride without dying? I had to start aiming for open bodies of water because I'd hit trees and die all the time. Yeah. That's it? Yeah. You gotta get to a flat plane, man, and just land, you know, like a normal hang glider. But even on flat planes, I was dying. I just, maybe I was coming into too steep of an yeah, angle. I was too excited to get to the ground. You just gotta pitch it back up. Man. They God. really, really take the physics of the Gravitational anxiety. potential energy is a isn't it? Man. It sure is. It sure is. <laughs> so, we all have fond memories of 3. 3 was a great game, and, like, I understand why it launched Far Cry into, like, the national gaming prominence. There was just a lot of positives from the bad guys to the Far Cry formula. 
Moving on to Far Cry 4, this game released in 2014. Four years later, it slid to an 85 on Metacritic. Uh, correction, it was two years later. It was the quickest release in the mainline series. Two years after Far Cry 3 came out, Far Cry 4 followed. The setting for 4 was interesting. Kirat in the Himalayas. I'd only been there previously as Nathan Drake. I heard that the gameplay was remarkably similar to 3, and uh, I was curious what I missed by largely skipping this game. In the last couple of days, I got maybe three hours into this game, and it's addictive, it's fun, it feels very Far Cry, but I really, really enjoyed it. 4 is... First off, beautiful. They did a really, really good job with the scenery in this game and like just being able to explore everything. I loved it. It was so fun. And that was the first one that I jumped into. So jumping back into Far Cry 4 for the second time, getting ready for this podcast, it was still great. That's what I loved about it. You know what I mean? Playing 5 and 6 and then 3 and then jumping back into 4. Still beautiful. Still a fun game. Um... Better story, I thought, than three, in my personal That's opinion. That's a bold take, Billy. I have grown very fond of four. I what? think that is just awesome. It's my favorite, too. This game is eight years old now, so we don't have to worry about spoiling it. What makes the story of four so interesting? As far as I've gotten, it's got a killer opening sequence with the main antagonist. You, uh, you're trying to sneak into this country to bury your mom's ashes, and the big bad swoops in in a helicopter. Everyone on your bus gets killed. He carries you away with another dude. The other dude's getting tortured, and this resistance springs you out, and it's just action-packed and really well done it's a great opening sequence from there you uh one of the dudes who rescued you is like hey go on this mission and then someone else is like hey go do this other thing and then someone else is like go do this other thing and those teach you three core tenets of the game liberating bell towers and rescuing hostages and i forget what the third thing was where does it go from there that makes it so interesting for you billy well as i mentioned before when we were talking being able to when you when you become part of the golden path and you're helping them liberate all of these places when you start talking with sabir and amita and you're deciding which way you want to go with the golden path directs you into what type of mission that you're going to be doing so there's a fork in the golden path there is and it it they both have kind of different visions um he has his vision is uh, what is what's the name for him? Is Samir? It's Sabir or Samir. I Sabir. gotta look that up. I'm sorry. So he is. Um, his idea is he wants to return it to the traditional roots of the country, which in a lot of ways is it's oppressive, particularly for females. Um, it's a it's a strong religious sect like almost approach to how the society is run. Um, now she doesn't want that because. Women were basically viewed as possessions at that point and very much as like less than the men. And she will, she doesn't want to subject the, the young ladies of the region to that again. She wants to control the drug trade, which Kirat is heavily involved in. They create, I think, a lot of heroin and opium was the things that they're doing. And she wants to use that to help, help rebuild the country. And it's those two boring philosophies between the two, and there's a substantial divide that is is kind of a cause of conflict, particularly as the game starts to get deeper in. And it's interesting, as the main character, you are the child of the founders of the Golden Path. AJ. Uh, is it AJ or AJ? They call them both. Well, it's AJ with an English translation. 
and it would be Ajay with the key rat. It was. It drove me crazy that they said it both ways in the game. Yeah. And I'm sorry, the uh, the other uh, his name is Sabal. I'm sorry, Sabal, Sabal and Amida are the two what you would go leaders of the golden path. Yep. And the short version basically is is that AJ's mother um was with pagan men. So AJ's parents um pagan men is the big pagan bad. Pagan men is the big bad. So yep. AJ's dad was one of the founding members or the founding member of the golden path. Him and his mom had started this revolution. Mom had become essentially a spy got close to pagan but what pro- the problem that happened was she wound up falling in love with pagan. They had a kid together. So AJ had a, a half sister, and when his father had found out AJ's father, he killed her. And Ooh. it was that's kind of what started Pagan into going absolutely mad. So the crazy part is, and the interesting part of the story with this is that Pagan honestly isn't antagonistic towards AJ. He views him because AJ is coming to return his mother, the one woman that Pagan has loved. AJ is actually almost someone that of of affection towards pagan and pagan views like aj blowing up all this stuff up oh, you little cheeky man don't you be doing that <laughs> and he, he's just very unusual with his relationship to aj i kind of think of it as like pagan to aj as snape to harry potter i could see that i can see that without the he's much less aggressively openly antagonistic it's like the back end when you know that snape cares yeah 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 that's essentially it from the it was from the all get-go. about his mother you know what i mean so i don't know it's a that's a long stretch to get to a comparison but you know brian i hope this isn't offensive to you but i'm just gonna launch it out there i saw just a touch of you in pagan men like if you became completely unhinged and like the dictator of a small country in the himalayas i just i was there was something about pagan men that just made me think of you like evil version of you i can see that i i like pagan so much just because Pagan is, he's intelligent, he's witty, and he's just so sadistic if it's something that he wants, or not maybe sadistic, but like, he's completely blind to whatever else is in front of him, and he just, he just goes directly at it. And Pagan's also fun just, just from his demeanor, he's got blonde highlights and a pink suit, and he just... He's almost flamboyant with how he is. He's very bold, very, very bold, which makes him so interesting, and that's why he's my favorite baddie. Um, And the the dialogue that he has with AJ, I think, is just funny because you can tell that there's the side of him that is actually understanding and charming and cordial, and then this other side of him that stabs a man at the table with a fork. So there's a there's a little bit of all that, probably in all of us. (laughs) Yeah, especially the uh, fork stabbing part. Yeah, fork stabbing. Billy, you were excited that there were buzzers in four. I haven't gotten to a buzzer. What's a buzzer? Is that a helicopter? Yeah, it's, it's the karate, or it's the Golden Paths helicopter, essentially. It's a man-made helicopter, so it looks like... Well, a, all helicopters are man-made. They don't a, occur naturally a, sorry, in the wild. man-made. I'm sorry. I <laughs> it almost looks that. like a gyrocopter, it's, uh, if you know what that is. It's a put-together helicopter. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and the first time that you can fly in a Far Cry series. Correct. So it, yes. it helped a lot. They, they brought bell towers back, which were the radio towers in 3, which, to be honest, I'm glad they did away with them in 5. They're a little bit monotonous. You have to climb them, them to... Exp- uh, to bring like the fog of the region away so that you can see everything around it. It's an essential part of the early Far Cry games because it unlocks the map, it shows you the collectibles in that area, it shows you any quests in that area, and it was just another like element of the gameplay that they were very married to in 3 and 4. And the right, more of yeah. them you unlock, the, the higher-end weapons you get. And the cool thing with the buzzers, 
you can fly the buzzers to the top of the tower and wedge them in there because they're small enough and skip every single tower. You know, I don't, you know, you were talking about that. And so I did that through the playthrough of four again. I kept clipping the god propeller on the tower. And so I would like fly on and then just go boom and just explode. And then I'd have to use the syringe. And then, yeah. You didn't get to see Billy's hand puppeteering of what was happening, but it was very descriptive. <laughs> Why did you make a circle with your finger and then put the other finger through it? I don't get what that meant. Buzzer exploding. Oh, that's... Oh, duh. Yeah, when a Billy loves Brian very much. <laughs> Billy, you also thought that the NPCs were better in this game. I Is did. Is that just as a like uh, story device, or was that the divide in the faction of the Golden Path, or what made these NPCs so interesting and lively for you? They had their own stories a little bit more in 4 than they did 3. They just went into depth with the characters a little bit more than just like being a part of your main story as the protagonist, as... Um, jason brody in three so i appreciated that they just kind of expanded more on that you guys both like the game or the narrative in four quite a bit more brian i think you said it was your favorite or billy you said it was your favorite four yeah four is my favorite same here so it's both of your favorite story in a far cry game but brian you think that all the endings were bad how many endings were there in four three this was actually the first time that there's a secret ending as well so at one point as you begin the game, literally within the first 10 minutes, you're sitting down at the table with Pagan Min, and there is a essentially a, like a villager that he had grabbed and dragged to this table too that he had captured when he had captured the protagonist. And this guy is a member of the Golden Path. And when I talked about Pagan being upset and stabbing a guy with a fork, that's what he was talking about. But what Pagan says, he's like, look, Ajay, I'm going to go deal with this. You stay here. Enjoy the Crab Rangoon. Don't leave. If you sit and wait 10 minutes real time in the room and don't leave, the game goes to a cutscene where Pagan comes back and goes, hey, let's put your mom's urn where it deserves to be. They walk outside the palace, put the urn in the altar area, and that's it. That's the game. So had AJ just sat his ass down at that table, he could have avoided the civil war that he caused. Um... The problem is at the end of the game, you've got two divergent philosophies, right? So what you find out is if you side with Sabal, he's the one that wants the more traditional world. Um, basically, what he does is everybody that he deems not to be um, um, a true member of Karat because they were harming their brothers and sisters, he starts murdering everybody out. Um, when it comes to... Anita? Amita. Amita, excuse me. When it comes to her, basically she takes control of the the opium fields and she starts killing people off that are trying to stop her from like just putting massive amounts of drugs into the world. Either ending is not a positive ending. Now the interesting part is after the game is done, you can go visit either of these two people out in the world. They're both located in certain cities and they basically are like, hey, stay out of my way. And you can gun both of them down if you feel like it. Um, there's really no ramifications because the game's already over at that point. Um, but prior to that too, actually, you have a chance if you want to, you can save Pagan. You can choose to either kill Pagan as he's flying away in a helicopter or not. I don't think it really changes the endings too much there either, but it's still just another option for the player. Well, for the ending, you can choose when you get to Pagan's palace, when he asks you to sit down to dinner, like he says it, we are in the exact same place as we were when we first met. 
why don't you sit down and hear me out, and then we can go and bury your mom's ashes like we were supposed to do. You can choose right then and there to just pop them one in the head, and the game kind of just goes where you decide as far as what golden path you took. Or no, where does it end right there? It just says the king is dead. The king and, is dead. And yeah. then you and still then have to make decisions, I think, afterwards. Um, or you can actually sit back down. He will then actually do what he promised, which was bring you to where you're supposed to lay your mother's ashes. And then you have the choice of when he's like, Karat's yours. It's all yours. You're the leader now. As he's flying away. Yeah. Like Brian said, you could whip out your rocket launcher and then hmm. just take him out. <laughs> and the cool part about that game is, is they have such an affinity. Who sang the song? Should I stay or should I go? Is it the stones? Should I stay or should I go now? Isn't that the clash? The clash. I think you're right. And, and, and that song comes up repeatedly in that game and it is it's so stylized with how they use it and it's oh it's just it's fun and it, it's fun coming back to this game because i could see how much better i became as a player halfway through the game there is a mission called the city of pain billy do you remember the city of pain the city of pain remind me again it's the one and i don't remember if you remember if you struggled as much as i did the first time through city of pain is you're basically sneaking through a city and you're trying to get to one of pagan men's lieutenants the problem with this mission it is a it's a fairly large city and on top of that if you are detected game over you start over the mission again and it's at night you have to quietly take out every guard you come across because if it's a body's discovered, too bad, start over. And if you're doing it correctly, it's still about a 20-minute run. Okay, I think I know what you're talking First about. First time yeah. I went through that board, I, honest to God, played it for close to two hours. I almost quit the game because I could not figure out how to effectively move through this city without being detected. So this is where my problem comes with like stealth missions like that. Yeah, it's, it's a one-shot death, basically, is what it was. The interesting part was on the second time through, it was a one run. I didn't get busted one time. I went through the entire thing in one run, which just kind of, I think, helps you once you understand the mechanics of how Far Cry works. It is a really easy game to just kind of intuitively operate around. And that that mission, I was dreading it from the second I started that playthrough again. And the fact that I was able to get through it right away, I was like, oh man, I've kind of grown as a human and a player. <laughs> it's nice. It is nice. It's real nice. Going back to the endings for a second, it sounds like there's a definite tone they wanted to have for this game that they wanted. There are no happy endings. There's no good way out of this situation. And no matter what you did, it sounds like there's no way to escape that. That's interesting, but having not lived through it, like, does that drag down the experience for you guys? I think of Fallout 4, which about two thirds of the way through the game, you have to choose one of the three main factions to ally with and then you're basically trying to take down the other two factions i'm like i don't want to do that i spent a lot of time building these people up like i don't want to kill all of them no i just i don't want to do that and they forced me to and it just it soured my experience with far fallout 4 which i wasn't in love with to begin with but i openly loathe that game by the end of it because of what the choices they forced me to do at the ending did you guys have a similar thing with far cry 4 or were you satisfied with the conclusion whichever path you went down yeah i mean you can like if you choose to go through like sabal's path through the golden path like you get to the point where he's like you got to go kill amita because she ain't gonna move this stuff forward yeah, both and she of them needs to go both and of them she do says it. the same thing too but at that point you actually do have a choice whether or not you pull the trigger so they give you the freedom to be the baddie if you want to be 
I don't think there's an option to not kill them, though, is there? I think you have to kill one of them. Nope. You can decide not to kill one of them or not. Interesting. I think they take off after that. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. I instantly killed both. They do. Um, (laughs) So I don't see it as like a frustration with the forcibility of forcibility. Whatever. Them forcing you to choose one way or the other and you can't decide. Kind of like Fallout. I don't think it's a bad experience. I don't think it takes away from the game. So, no. I would I would say going into it, you're not going to be disappointed which way you go or not. And Far Cry is kind of known for bad endings. The only one that kind of has at least a semblance of a happy ending is 3. And in 3, you can either choose, as Brody, you can either choose to kill your friends and join uh, the uh, Voss's sister and and become basically like the new leader and god of... of the Reikiet. Right, Reiki. Yep, the, the yeah, Rakia. that's correct. Um, or you can um, so you kill your friends, join her, or basically you turn your back on her, and then she's going to get killed. Um, but uh, I joined her just for the sake of seeing what kind of madness would happen, and it's actually the first time on a console outside of God of War that I've seen boobs. And of course, who is going to be looking at the screen for the one time? That I played like 14 hours of this game. My wife is standing there and she's like, this, is this why you're playing the game? For the naked naked native woman's breasts? I'm like, this has not been a thing for the last 14 hours. It's like any time that you're watching an R-rated movie with your parents. And they walk in the room the one time there's like a set of boobs on the screen. It's like, what? what is with the timing of this stuff? Yeah. Um, so the, the ending there, saving your friends and walking away, I honestly think it's kind of the only good ending that you have through all these games yeah i would go with that because if you choose to go with uh voss's sister she just kills you so yeah you they have your, sex so and then, then friends, she stabs you huh she wants to she wants to get pregnant so she can give birth to the new leader and just kills you anyway like a praying mantis Exactly. That's a really good without way to put biting it. the head off. But yeah. yes, absolutely. Yep. So that's so sure. I guess you could say the one ending that you could choose to go with your friends. Yeah, is the happy ending. She still winds up dying because her lieutenant stabs her, her lieutenant by accident. Stabs her when he's trying to stab you because she steps in front of him. So yeah, other there than... really isn't any other th- happiness. And we'll get into six's stuff. Five definitely isn't happy. <laughs> uh, no, but <laughs> six, I guess. Yeah, once we get into that. I guess is a happy ending. I don't know. Yeah, these aren't happy games. There's one more thing with 4 that I want to talk about. There's a system in 3 and 4 specifically where you would hunt animals and craft better gear. And it was an integral part of the experience. Like, when you start these games, you can only carry a couple of weapons, a little bit of ammo, a little bit of money. And, like, if you are looting bodies and, like, your wallet is full, like, you can't take any more money. And so, like, all that, all those resources just go to waste. So you have to, like, divert away from the main story. You have to divert away from whatever you're doing. And you have to go find these animals in the wilderness. And it sounds, explaining, I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. That sounds like breakable weapons bad. But in practice, I really enjoyed it. Like, I got back into Far Cry 4 two nights ago. I'm like, hmm, I go, I could push a little bit further in the main story, but like, I'm my limited ammo sucks. I'm going to go hunt some of these uh, deer so that I can craft a better ammo pouch. And it's silly and it was random, but I enjoyed that aspect of the game and I miss them from Far Cry 6 specifically. And as you as you unlock the bell towers in 4, it shows you where these animals live. So you can actually just travel there, throw out bait if it's a predator, and you'll draw them in. Or if it's more of like say an, an herbivore, you just have to kind of find them in the terrain. There's syringes that you can use that allow you to do a bunch of different things from speed to defense. One of the syringes allows you to basically 
tag either enemies or animals. So you can basically see where these things are and hunt them out. The cool thing about that is you can do them right away. There's really no waiting. The only one that's a little bit of a problem to get to is the snow leopard. That takes a little bit of, of either kind of doing some RNG stuff in some er certain areas or hunting some much later game area. But you can have almost a completely maxed out uh, pouch system, which is anything from weaponry, bullets, um, arrows, you know, mortars, rockets, and wallets. By the first quarter of the game, I, I would go with that. Uh, you do have to get into, um, and I forget the NPC's character name, or excuse me, the NPC name, um, but he's the fashion designer for Kirat. He actually has the final skins that you have to go and hunt down of like, like, like ultra rare weapon. animals. Then you can max out yep. your loot bag, That's right. your That's syringe right. bag, your ammo bag. Because you can, yeah, you're totally right. You can go through and just wipe out a bunch of animals and skin them and max like three or four of your loot bags and all that stuff. But you have to go through this fashion designer's missions in order to finalize all of those. So I appreciate that. You, yeah, it's pretty cool. I like that it was a completely optional system. Like you can play through the game with the limited set of tools that you start with, or you can invest some time to really level yourself. And I think it's some of the best like reward for your gaming time in games. I just love the mechanic of hunting the animals and crafting better gear from it. Agreed. The yes. last thing I'll say with this is is the weapons really stood out in this game too. Um as you unlock bell towers, as you unlock different things, uh, you get much more powerful weaponry. My cat is currently attacking Brian's hand, and Brian's just rolling with it, like claws in, teeth out, like full-on assault on your hand. Like it's your like hand he's is an outpost. With cats for a long time. It's very similar to how it is when I'm in a room alone with Tom. I just let him wear himself out. He's he's fine. <laughs> yeah, my cat is like a little mini me. My cat and my older daughter, like we got a whole house full of Toms here. It's great. So the the weaponry. <laughs> Nobody loves Tom more than Tom, right? That's right. <laughs> so the weaponry is amazing uh, because particularly late stage in 4, there's a couple of weapons that you can get that it doesn't matter now if they call in reinforcements. It doesn't. That is it the buzzsaw. is like an LMG you can carry. It can take down choppers. It can take down trucks. It doesn't matter. It just shreds things. In fact, it's you almost don't want to use it because it puts the game on easy mode. But this game did introduce me to the bow, which is just the best weapon um yes the bow the projectile drops a little bit over distance but it's a one shot kill so it's so much fun to sneak into a place one shot a bunch of different people and then actually you can go pick up the the, the arrow that you did use on top of that if you use it with animals you get double the skins so if you use a gun and you kill a rhino okay you get one skin if you kill him with a bow, you get double, and it's definitely worth your time. It's a little bit slower, and it's definitely harder, but it is so worth learning to use. It's such a satisfying weapon. And if and you didn't... I'm sorry, Tom. I apologize if I may interject. Just You also get karma points for using a bow because you're not destroying an animal with a gun. Yep. They give you karma points taking out an animal more cleanly i guess yep more, and it matters for unlocks right karma's exactly. used for unlocks and karma's game. great to have in that game and that's the only game that they introduced something like that like karma points so you could then like recruit more golden path 
and then use them when you're like fighting bad guys and stuff. And you guys aren't even touching on the biggest benefit of the bow. The most important reason to use the bow in three, four, and six, from my experience, it's silent. It's silent. You bring that bow to the outpost and you pick off those guys on the outside and like you even the odds a little bit before someone eventually notices you. Like to me, the bow is the most essential part of any Far Cry loadout. And that was that was the bummer in six is that they nerfed the bow dramatically. It's a two shot kill now in six. Yep. Unless you hit him in the head. You have to hit them in the head perfectly. If they have a helmet on, I think it's even harder. Yeah, I think you have to take the helmet off first. You have to be the, closer with a guy with a helmet on, if I'm not mistaken. In the six. bow I had would kill someone with a headshot regardless of helmet it would. or not. Okay, all right. I couldn't and remember. that was a game changer for me. I got it at 10 hours. The first uh, 10 hours of six, I was not into the game at all. But then I got the bow. I'm like, okay, now now it's Far Cry. Now, now I can exist. I'm so happy you got into the game because when you said like nah, I don't know about this, and then you're like, okay, this is great, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and that's point, awesome. You see. pointed out a great thing with the animals in four. Four was the last time it mattered to kill the animals. In six, it doesn't really matter. You get bait, and you don't really use the skins for anything. You sell the skins. You can use them at like the hunter's lodge. Yeah, you can, and and you cafe, can trade them for like, other resources, like for the, your supremo resources. Right, and you can go to the in kitchen six, yeah. too for buffs. Yeah, if you but, want to buff yourself up at the kitchen in like a base. Yep, and I, I still found that in four for me, there was the one time that hunting was still worth it. Once we got into five, it, it had taken more of a backseat. And by six, like Billy said with the cooking, and, and to me the cooking system we'll get into doesn't really interest me. Nope. And uh, going back to number three for a second, this is just a random funny anecdote. In three, one of the animals you had to hunt to craft your gear was shark. You had to get shark skins. And yes. it is a pain in the ass. They shoot a shark with a gun. So I would just take a jet ski, go to like shark infested waters and try to run over sharks with my jet ski, then jump off, skin it. And then, all right, cool. I can make my finger now. I'm out of here. You could use a boat, you know, stand on the front of the boat and shoot them and to shoot death. shoot to death. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I used a jet ski to run them over. All right. Well, that's yeah. fun. That's, that's a, a different way to do it. That's fun. Just zipping around on it. Good times. <laughs> Far Cry. Fun games. Moving on to Far Cry 5. This game released in 2018. It slid to an 81 on Metacritic. So 3, 4, 5 went from 90 to, I believe, 85 to 81 on Metacritic. Far Cry 5 brings the series home to the U.S. Well, I guess not home because Ubisoft is based in Montreal. Far Cry 5 brings the series to the U.S. You battle a cult in Montana as a fledgling FBI agent. My understanding is that this was Ubisoft's attempt to make a more realistic Far Cry story. Do you guys agree with that statement? Was this uh, more... Was this narrative more grounded in reality, or was it just another Far Cry that happened to take place where we live? I don't think it was more grounded. I think it's probably more grounded than 3 was, because 3 kind of got out there. 4, I think, I mean, civil unrest is a very common thing that we're dealing with even in you know across the world at this point. That's not too outside, so that was 4. And then when it came to 5... I mean, this just kind of, it was nice because it's kind of a way to look at religious extremism when it's not Islam. I think that's kind of a neat idea because as far as the major religions goes, unfortunately, Islam is painted out to be the, the, the true devil in so many different ways. This just shows, hey, you know what, it's actually not really the religion itself. It's more about how people intend to use that religion. And I thought that was kind of a neat point to make. I agree. And did you like the location, Brian? Was Montana an interesting place for a game? It seems kind of random. Out of the entire U.S., let's go to Montana. I think Far Cry has always been about putting you into wild 
and aggressive locations where you are just kind of placed to survive. So being as Montana is so wilderness dense, I thought it was actually a, a really nice change of scenery. I thought that the, the locations were beautiful. It had some different diverse mount, uh, areas from whether it be almost like plains-like areas to more mountain-like areas to just forests. So there was a lot of different different areas that you could go into that just had a different feel to them in general. So I don't really see how... I can understand how a lot of people are like, well, you know what? I want to have this crazy, exotic, new place that I can go to. And that's great. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, this is an environment that's beautiful and wild and untamed. I think it still has the heart of, of Far Cry. And one of the things that makes the Far Cry series is the antagonist. We talked about Voss. We talked about Pagan Men. Ryan, you liked the cult that you battled in this game, and you thought that Joseph was a genuinely creepy boss. What made him so interesting and so creepy? Having not played much of this game, like I'm really interested in what makes this antagonist stand out. Joseph is a good boss because, like... And let me set this up just a touch more. Joseph is the big bad in this game. He also has three children who are like the mini-bosses of the game. Four children. Two children. You guys are shaking your heads. I don't siblings. know anything about They're this siblings. They're siblings. They're siblings. Just, oh, there are siblings with Joseph. So yeah. there's not blood-related yeah. siblings either. Okay. These are like forgotten children that he recruited. Okay, so there are like four bosses. Joseph is the leader, but they're all like on sibling level. And each one of those other so siblings... are part of the seed family when he like recruits them and builds them up as a you know so cult leader would. Just to make it a little bit more clear, there's a group called... Um, they are, they're called Peggy's. So Peggy stands for People of Eden's Gate. I think that's the name of the, of the cult. And Joseph Seed has two brothers. So the two gentlemen are his brothers. He's got an older brother that is very militant. He trains the soldiers and, and basically what they call judges. They're these large wolves that basically patrol. You're right. I'm sorry. It was the... Uh, it's Faith. Faith is not an actual family member, but she kind of looks at Joseph yep. as... Yeah, her her, her, fa- her her family. family. Basically, he found her. Faith Faith's basically a recovering drug, not even recovering. She's a drug addict, She's a drug addict that they brought in. She controls what's called the bliss. The bliss is essentially this like almost mind control hallucinogenic that they use to control the population. Older brother is the militant one that gets the soldiers trained, and then the younger brother winds up doing most of the propaganda that's needed. So with the the seed family. Joseph is essentially almost like their David Koresh. Joseph, as all good, as all good, as all effective uh, cult leaders, antagonists are, he believes what he's doing is right. Pagan men just did for the sake of doing it. Like, that was how Pagan worked. He felt like doing it. And he would just do ridiculous things. Pagan talked about how he took all the country's gold from all their monasteries, melted it down, and made a gigantic statue of himself because he thought that was prudent. That's the great thing about Pagan men. Joseph honestly believes what he's doing is is for the best. And I think we can, I mean, really Thanos is the one that we can all think of in the major media that is so interesting because he he believes what he's doing is right. It's not that he's he's crazy or homicidal. He genuinely believes that this is best for everyone. And that's what the Seed family does. So how they're operating at this point, it's a place called Hope County. And what they're doing is they're just slowly taking over the county. And there's a couple of different things that inspired this in the game. This actually a portion of this was inspired as in Washington. There this is very similar in Washington state. There was a cult that wound up taking over a county. 
and it wound up becoming public news when they started trying to poison politicians from the city because they bought everything and now they were trying to get rid of the people that were standing in front of them the last few and that's was it was some of the inspiration for this game it's terrifying Absolutely, it's terrifying because the thing is, is like with anything that we have as a core identity, right? Whether it's a religion, whether it's politics, whatever it is, when we make some of these things like a core central self-identifying pillar, people go to extremes to defend it. And the biggest problem is the more that we self-identify with some of this stuff, it is a psychological known factor that people are much more likely to be accepting of violence for those that oppose them. Sorry, that got really deep real quick. That got real deep. I know. Yeah. Quick. Oh, my God. So that's 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 why I think the Seed family is really interesting. Um, and it's it's between this, this crazy kind of like almost like simple life country thing. And it almost looks like the, the Seed family is trying to run the local mission just to make sure we're all taken care of as God's flock. <laughs> and they have no problem taking people, killing off those that are, are, are opposing them and brainwashing everybody else. To just kind of proliferate their message. It's and and Joseph is an absolute doomsday prophet. That's what he believes. The collapse is coming and he's here to protect his people. And it sounds like he might be right from the little bit I know about the ending of that game. On the other end of the spectrum, they move from having a protagonist who actually said things and had a character to a silent protagonist. Billy. Yeah. Did you enjoy the silent protagonist? No. Or it didn't allow you to Live the fantasy of taking down a cult. No, it, all took your the, it took the story completely away. Are you kidding me? It was then it was just NPC driven at that point. Not that they're bad NPCs, but having your character be a pivotal part of that story with words to say <laughs> is really great. That's what made uh, Jason and AJ awesome in the stories in three and four is because they had their own voice. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, oh, I get to not that there's anything wrong with it, but you could just. You get to pick between a female and a male and then whatever clothes you want to wear. And that's about it. You know what I mean? There's they just call you rookie for the rest of the game. You know what I mean? So you don't even have a name off from and I don't like silent protagonists. I don't like it. I think it's a I think it's a cop out for games. You know what I mean? It's an interesting choice, especially given that the protagonists of the two prior games had voices and dialogue and actual character. I think it might have been a choice based completely off effort because if you think about it, in 6 you can choose between a male Danny and a female Danny and they're both voiced. I yep. played female on that one and that 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 actress killed it. I'm wondering if in 5 they're just like, "Look, this is going to be too much work to have to do this with two voice actors." All of the lines. I'm wondering if it was just maybe... How, that, that doesn't make any sense, though. Introduced way more characters from 4 to 5 with plenty of voice actors. Why not do it for the main character? I'm not saying it's the right choice. I'm just trying to justify they why they did it. for the male and the female because they had to make the grunting noises when you would like fall from ledges That's or get fair. shot. That's fair. So why not give them dialogue? It's a That's just my opinion super, on it. And I think you're totally right. It takes It took me out of the story. It 100% takes you out of the story. And there's, there are there are decisions, but I want to hear how my character views things. I want to hear how my character is being affected like this, rather than, great job, Rook. You're really helping out the county. Why don't right. you go down to the prison and see if you can get yourself a job? I'm like, what is what? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Was this being developed in the era of uh, Xbox Connect and PlayStation 
uh, the PlayStation camera? Like, did they see people trying to interact with the game with their own voice? And then when those technologies failed, they had to just call you rookie? Or am I trying to put lipstick on a pig? And you're really trying. I don't think it's gone that far. I don't think it. I don't I think, think it goes just that deep. Cheaped out on the whole thing, and they just didn't want to hire a voice actor, both male and female. Or yeah. them and they. And, and, and we me. don't. We don't want to crap on this. Just so we're super. Clear. No, no, five. No, of course not. Five is a game that I've played twice. I've enjoyed it so much. The weaponry is weird and fun. You can get a gun that shoots circular buzz saws. It bounces all over. It's a silent weapon and kills people. That's super great. And I'll let you. This is the one first game I think that introduced you the ability to have like a, a partner. You can have um, a sniper with you, and there's all these individual NPCs in the world that you can recruit to help you out on your mission. My favorite, hands down, are definitely the animals. Would you? Are you in that category? Of course, one hundred percent. So you got you got peaches. Peaches is a cougar, and she specializes in silent kills. So you, okay, you, cougar like animal cougar, or no? She's a forty-year-old no, milk <laughs> with two kids, and she's driving a Mazda. <laughs> she pulls up in her Mazda Miata, and she's like, "Hey, where do you want to go, Rook?" <laughs> no, it's, so it's an actual cougar, um, and you can give them directions. So, like, you can if you have an enemy like within sight, you can tag them for the cougar to take them out. Silent kills that way. Um, you've got cheeseburger. Cheeseburger is a bear. Um, like is it an actual bear? Or actual... Is it like a hamburger in the shape of a bear? No, it's a forty-year-old man who likes to be shirtless at a bar. No, it's that's not how this works. You're really trying. So, cheeseburger is a tank essentially. <laughs> He runs around and just blasts things. Uh, there's, he's absolutely loud. It takes like a rocket launcher to put him down, and he's a blast to use if you just want the anarchy of the matter. And then sounds Tom friendly. It, you would cheeseburger is is your your guy. He is your. Team. I guarantee he's your guy. Um, and then probably the most useful is Boomer. Now, did you get to Boom Boom in six? Did you get the dog? Did you get the dog? No, I got the rooster. Was my last one. Okay, so you'll you'll see him in six. Um, boomer. Chorizo. I never figured out how to use chorizo. Yeah, Chorizo's a distraction. Yeah, and I, man, I I didn't like that one, but maybe there's other opinions. Well, we'll get to that in the top yeah. five. We'll get there. Boomer. <laughs> so boomer is really useful because boomer is essentially um, it's if you play again, we're going back to Metal Gear Solid. I wonder if there's a lot of things that got borrowed from this, but boomer is passive radar, just like D Dog was. So when Boomer's with you, Boomer does a couple things. A, passively tags everything in the area, which is wildly yes. useful because there's no more hunting syringes in this game. This means that Boomer's the only way to passively go into an area and pick everything up. He will actually pick off, um, he will pull, I want to say, money off bodies as they're laying there. Um, and you can have him attack to kill somebody. So as far as the, the help in the game goes, super useful. Yep. Yeah, Boomer is great in that sense where you want to take advantage of as much of the destruction that is happening in the game or like going into a base because you'll reap more rewards that way whereas like cheeseburger you just send him in to just cause massive destruction boomer you send in and if you don't tag an enemy to tell boomer to go and kill him you can just shoot him like in the middle of the base the bad guys don't give a crap about a dog running around so he'll just tag everybody so awesome well, you can binocular out as much as you want and tag your own. But if you shoot him in the middle of a base, nobody will be alerted. And he'll just go, it'll just tag everybody. So that's pretty great, too. And you can control him from a distance. Like, you can send him well. Yeah, that's the nice thing, because you use your binoculars to zoom in, and then you can direct your animal 
companion to go wherever you are in those binoculars in the distance that you're looking. So I'd say out of them. I mean, Cheeseburger was my favorite just because it's a bear named Cheeseburger and he's an absolute tank. But Boomer was probably the most useful in five. Fascinating. That sounds like a really cool system. Let's talk about the trajectory of the series just a little bit. Billy, I know that you think this game was very pretty, but you struggled to get into it. Brian, where were you at on that? Sorry, you can elaborate on your feelings. I don't no, need no, to, no. To it's speak okay. For you. It's it's that's basically it. It's I I struggled more with five than I did with three and four to really really get into the story and grasp it. Uh, I had more fun doing like co-op and whatnot and the new Don DLC. Yeah, it's 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 basically it still cost us sixty bucks because it like they dropped it as its wasn't own it like game. thirty or forty? I thought it was slightly less because it's, it? it's not as big. But holy crap, I know crap. we were pissed at it because it was slightly more than a DLC should cost, but less than a full game. And you can see that like that is like essentially five point five because they took a whole bunch of stuff into that, yeah. and then you can see where they brought it into six. Right. So I would I would say five was more of an enjoyable experience doing a co-op or playing new dawn than and it was going through it by yourself let me poke at that real quick you guys said in four you could do co-op but the story progress doesn't carry over so the Correct. partner in the game is basically just there to shoot some dudes they get nothing out of it in five is it a more true co-op experience no five is actually the same way what billy and Why? i played the most to get, I, I, it doesn't make any sense i don't know Bill, I think it was under the understanding, like Borderlands ran into this problem too, right? Where they're trying not to move the narrative of the story based on who you're playing with. Borderlands 3 figured it out. I was like, hey, look, you played all this already with a buddy. Do you want to just skip to where you were? It's like, yes, click. Um, Far Cry didn't do that. Now, New Dawn, which we'll touch on briefly here in just more of a moment, um, that's one where Billy and I could do, you can do what's basically like special op missions where you either go to Alcatraz or a ship or like the Navajo Desert, all these really weird places that you can go to, you can complete this mission and then get a whole bunch of really, really useful crafts to help build your your home base, which he and I were doing a bunch of that together, and that was maybe where we probably had our most fun in the Far Cry games. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'd say once, once they started getting better at the mechanics for co-op play, and they did that really well in New Dawn, or Far Cry 5.5, whatever you want to call it, just jokingly, 5.5. They did a really good job at that, and that's when you could actually like, if you joined a if you joined a person and co op together, you would also, in you know, you would also move forward and enhance your character because of what you did. There was a reward. There was outside of just the experience of playing with your friends. Exactly. Yeah. So, five. I liked five a lot. I yeah. The the silent protagonist was kind of a thing. But I loved the environment. I loved the wilderness of it. I loved flying planes in this game, which you could finally do. You could get much more advanced helicopters. Like, you could full-on attack things with helicopters at this point, which is a lot of fun. Um, there's there's some struggles with 5. Um, 5 was the first one where there, each of the big baddies had its own region. And each region definitely had a different feel to it. What would happen is if you took enough outposts and did enough damage in the region, it would cause you to have basically a confrontation with the main lieutenant of that area. The problem with that though is, is that it was like an auto capture. Once you had enough damage in the area, it showed you kind of a resistance meter, which is essentially like an experience bar. Once it got high enough, oh, you know, be on the lookout, Rook, this so-and-so is going to catch you. And no matter what you're doing, they come get you. I got captured in a plane. 
<laughs> I'm flying. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, you know what? Better watch out because he's going to send his silent bow hunter assassins, which are guys with bows. I got captured in a plane. You hear, and then my guy's vision goes out as I'm behind the joystick of a plane. And I'm like, damn, they're good. Yeah, I agree. I hated that part of it. I, I see what they were trying to do is just move the story forward, but they were forcing you to move the story forward. Right, and it takes you out of the story because you're doing your own thing. And now I have to deal with this sometimes 15 to 20 minute like interaction with a lieutenant. If not longer. That you don't want to deal with right now. No. That's an interesting choice for a game that gives you so many ways to approach it and so much freedom in the way that you explore the world. Yeah. So the Metacritic scores for these games is going down, down, down. From 3 to 4 to 5 is down. It sounds like what I'm hearing from you guys was 3 was fine, 4 was better, 5 was a step beneath 3. Is that accurate for both of you? I think from the Metacritic standpoint, it makes sense because 3 was essentially, it's like, you know, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It's like, okay, we made something, and it's like, oh, wait, this is the way that it's just going to be forever now. And that's what happened in 3. I didn't play 3 right away, so I don't have the nostalgia goggles. This is the same reason you guys always hear me rip on Final Fantasy 7 on this podcast, because I don't have the goggles. Um, 4, I have the goggles, and like... I liked 4 a lot more because 4 was essentially 3, but with a lot of quality of life improvements. And that's that's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go with... I'd go with that, yeah, just because that's how I was introduced to Far Cry was 4. And then I went back to 3, and I understood why everybody really holds on to 3 as their favorite. It's their favorite antagonist. It's the first time the game opened up and they really started experimenting with the different things that you can do in a Far Cry game. And I think 5 introduced a lot of new cool stuff, but also took away a little bit of what 3 and 4 were. So, yeah. So it took away some of the magic. Well, what is the magic ingredient that makes Far Cry such a successful franchise? Billy, what's the magic? (laughs) The magic... We touched on this a little earlier when I said it's a copy-paste Ubisoft game. I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, they found something that works, and they kept that going and did their best to improve and give you different immersions in the different games. Where it's an open world, you can do near anything you want in these games. Near. Um... And I think that's a lovely thing. You know what I mean? I really do. I think the open world aspect of, you know, you, you don't have to go main story. You want to go and take out outposts. You want to go and take out towers. You want to go and take out animals for side quests just so you can upgrade your gear. You really have a lot of freedom in this game. You do you. Yeah, exactly. And I like, I appreciate that in open world games where like, and I think that was the turnoff, and we were ter- talking about this literally like two minutes ago. That's the turnoff from five, is you cl- start clearing out some lieutenant or some brother or sister's region in five. They force you into moving forward with the story because that's like, yeah, you're automatically captured. There's nothing you can do. So that does take away from it a little bit in five. But I love that. I love that about the games. They do let you explore. They let you really build up. If you want to build up, you can go guns a-blazing. If you want to go guns a-blazing, you can go in stealthily if you want to. You can go in, like, injected up on as many syringes as you want to make the game as hard or as easy as you want to. And I just, I think that's that's the great magic about Far Cry. So to summarize, it's the player freedom that makes Far Cry such a great experience for you. Flexibility freedom. You can can choose 
That's the thing. And that's where five kind of lost a little bit. It lost some of its choice. Um, the structure of how it kept pulling you out to me, I think, is just the biggest complaint. Because in a lot of ways, it had some of the most interesting weapons, some of the most fun vehicles. Most of the NPCs were just NPCs. I mean, there wasn't really anybody in that game that I thought was just flat out like, oh my god, I can't believe this character is just hilarious. Herc. Herc. But Herc, I always think of now in 3 and 4. Yeah. Because Herc, Herc returns and everything. So I guess I view Don't him... Don't you worry, as, we'll get to top. Yeah. I we'll love I love me some Herc. So the that was part of the struggle with five. Far Cry five for the shortcomings that it did have, and, and Billy really succinctly put it well, Far Cry has a template where it's it's always a new experience based on how you want to approach it. You can play the same outpost multiple times, which in New Dawn it does allow you to do, and we'll explain that in a second. And Every time that you do it, it's a different experience. Different people get set off. You can go in guns blazing. You can go in quietly. That's the beauty of Far Cry. Like we said, it's so much flexibility. Sorry to interrupt. Actually, in 4, they introduced replaying bases. Oh, you're right, because you could do it for score, couldn't you? Yep, yep, Did you, you get money for that, too? You got more money or you got more experience for yeah. doing a like better time, less alarms, and whatnot. So, yeah, you get more karma and experience. If you yeah, no alarms. And no detection. Those are the, basically the most important things. basically beating your last yeah. score type of situation. I did one outpost in four, and I shot an elephant in the butt, and the elephant killed everybody. Which is awesome, and you can ride one of those eventually. Sure can. Which nice. makes it really ridiculous. Five had some of the same veins that we saw in some of the other Far Cries. Like, it does have a secret ending in the very beginning when the Rook enters the chapel to arrest Joseph Seed. The game's opening essentially is a law enforcement shows up to arrest Joseph Seed, the cult leader. And then as they're trying to escape because all of his people have lost their mind, they start throwing themselves onto the helicopter to keep it from leaving. And a couple of them throw their bodies into the rotors, I think is what it was, um, to keep him from being able to be taken. Um, that's what kind of starts the Rook trying to traverse his way to... To, to just basically through the wilderness to, to find a way to survive. You can choose in that beginning, Joseph will put his hands together to be handcuffed, and you can choose not to handcuff him. And if you choose to do that, the sheriff who is with you goes, you know what, you're right, you know, forget this. We're not dealing with this. We're going to come back with the army. We're going to deal with it that way. And that's one of the secret endings, by choosing not to do that. The other thing that's super interesting was Joseph always talks about how it's actually the Rook's decisions that bring on Armageddon. So how the game ends is two ways. One, you arrive at you arrive where you began. You go back to the chapel, and Joseph is there with all the major NPCs that you've really encountered, and they're all in a drug-induced haze from bliss, and they're going to use these people to fight you. Now, what you can do is... You can turn around and walk away, and if you do that, um, you basically leave the people to Joseph, and that's the end of the game. The other alternative is you resist, and what you can do is as you knock these people around, they come out of the bliss, and then all of you can attack Joseph. But what does happen is it winds up creating a, a, a nuclear detonation winds up occurring after you take out Joseph. And what happens with that is as things are burning, you're running away, you're going fast, and then what happens, you're just trying to get to a bunker to, to get away from it all. 
And Joseph keeps telling you, it's like, look, your pride, your ego is going to be what causes the collapse. I'm telling you this. It's going to cause the collapse. And what you can hear if you listen to some of the radios in the game, you can hear that there's some conflicts going on. There's some region called Kirat that is starting to make some threats, um, which, again, is a, is, a, is a nod. And you, I never really put that together until the DLC in 6. So basically this horrible post-apocalyptic thing happens because you as a player are so focused on wanting to take down the big baddie, you ruin the world. And that's actually where it does give you a little bit of choice. Again, you can't voice it. You don't hear your own voice, which will take away from the emphasis maybe of that. But at the very end of the game, Joseph Seed is somehow still alive, drags you into the bunker and goes, you are now my family, you are now my child, and I'll take care of you. And that's how the game ends. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and then there's, a, like we talked about, the madness of Far Cry, the drug-induced hallucinations, uh, hallucinations, which are in every Far Cry game we haven't mentioned. Uh, in 3, you're running around on mushrooms. In 4, you're working with the, these two Australian or British travelers that have you smoke pot all the time. So you go through these drug-tripped worlds, kind of running around in there, and then it's dealing with the bliss in in 5. So it's just these little weird things that are kind of like a part of the game. And then they take game. that away in six. Yeah, outside of the drunk night with Danny. Yep. Interesting. What I think is the magic secret sauce of the Far Cry series is the f- feeling like a predator. The way I approach every combat situation in this game is I try to mark as many people as possible. I try to pick off everyone around the edge. And I try to end every conflict without an alarm going up because I feel like the games are always less fun once you're discovered. So for me, there's this feeling of being a predator that is unlike most games for me and certainly unlike other first-person shooters for me. My style is more rip it and grip it. Like I'm much more of a Doom Eternal type guy than a Far Cry type guy. It's just much more my speed and like my energy level. But I think that's what sets Far Cry apart from other games is being able to silently work your way through different bases. Like I'm not interested in stealth games. This is as about as stealth a game can be for me to still enjoy it. Right, and it's not like instantly caught, game over. It's it's still okay. Well, now I got caught. Now I just have to blast my way out. Yeah, and it is. It's always an option. Once your guns are are a high enough level, I mean, you can just shred an outpost relatively quickly. Well, the cool thing is too. It's yeah, you're. you're I agree with that. It's alerted, but then those bad guys have to get to an alarm in order to set it off to call in reinforcements. But if you get to that alarm first or kill that guy, he doesn't set the alarm off. Or if you shoot the alarm with a sniper rifle from far, far away. Right, but if you don't do that and you try to sneak in and try to just disable it by hand and whatnot, if you alert anybody, you can still get and blow up one of the... You can prevent them from calling reinforcement even if you get caught, which I like. I appreciate that. It's not just like an automatic, oh, we see you, boom, and then... Well, actually, no. Who fires the flares? Is it the generals or some of the lieutenants? The lieutenants. They'll fire the, the flares games. off. They'll fire yeah. a flare off if it's somewhere else and call in reinforcements. I can't remember where that fell, but you can prevent them from calling in reinforcements. You can have a little bit of a strategy if the first time that you go into a place and, gets and half Reinforcements, so we're clear, is either like two or three trucks of higher level enemies will come in. Um, or in like six, you, if you're unlucky, you'll get a tank or a helicopter. And these are just a lot more difficult to deal with. Oh, the um, helicopters. Yep. Very, very annoying. The planes, the planes in five are annoying as because you have to have that tracking rocket launcher to take most of them out. And as, as Far Cry goes, in case you didn't know, you're only allowed to carry four weapons on you at any given time. 
you can carry kind of three um, flexible weapons, whether they be shotguns, rocket launchers, um, anything like that, and then a sidearm. Now, the beauty of the sidearm in 5 is you can carry, if you guys remember Terminator 2, Arnold Schwarzenegger carries that, like, one-handed grenade launcher. That thing is in these games. It's considered to be a sidearm in 5, and it's super useful because if a truck shows up, one direct shot, it's it's done. Yep. It's done So, like, yep. if, if they're calling in reinforcements... It doesn't matter. One shot, they're all dead. You move on with your day. And again, it's in the sidearm slot, so you you can keep the you can kind of keep the flexibility. Like, give me a breakdown, Billy, of the of the three slots that are the the flexible mains and the sidearm. What are you typically carrying in these games? Because I've noticed mine doesn't change much between any of the games. Mine doesn't really change that much either. It changed because, well, actually, you know, one changed, and that's only going from. Not once they started, once they took away the animal skins and their worth for upgrading your loot bags or your ammo bags and stuff like that, I got rid of the bow. I started going in more sniper rifle. So typically it's like an assault rifle, a sniper rifle, and then as I pay, played through the games again, it was a grenade launcher. If I could have some sort of launcher, that tremendously helped when it came to trucks being called in or helicopters being called in or boats on the shoreline and whatnot so yeah i think my my mains were probably those and then six it changed again because they introduced incendiary rounds and so you could really play around with like if you had a grenade launcher with an incendiary round or an explosive round you're freaking unstoppable at that point when it comes to any vehicles that come your way so it's pretty fun so i don't know it changed a lot i mean if you want to go with like yeah, it'd be like an assault rifle, a sniper rifle, and a launcher of some sort I'd go with. Yeah, so here's the difference with us. So silenced shotgun that spets knots in five. Yep. Like, it did, everything's a one-shot death. <laughs> you hit him in the head, hit him in the upper chest, dead. I love the bow up till five, only because I think the recurve bow killed a lot of the enemies to the with a shot to the chest in one shot. The compound didn't. The compound took half their life. The bow is not exactly a fast-firing weapon. So you take a shot, half his life bar goes, he's upset with you now, and you're reloading your bow. Like, this is like, well, this is no longer all that effective. Right. Um, the throwing knives were useful for that regard, but again, you got to be close because there's some drop there. Um, so silenced shotgun, something like a fast-shooting submachine gun like the Vesper, um, if you remember that little thing mm-hmm. that just dumps bullets downstream. Yes. Or in 5, you get a light machine gun with a silencer on it. You don't need another gun in the game. You can kill anything at a distance. You can go full auto um, and just melt things. It blows up vehicles. You don't need anything else. Yep. And then because, again, that beautiful grenade launcher is a sidearm, which they took away from it in 6, and I get why. But, like, ugh, heaven on earth. It was nice. Ryan, you play a lot of shooters. Where does Far Cry rank amongst the entire shooter genre for you? It's that's hard um, because for me, it's it's how do we categorize that genre? If it's competitive online, that's a different thing to me. I'm, I'm not playing that for the same reasons. Um, I think it's most similar to how I view things like, say, Borderlands, but Borderlands is so different too because I'm replaying bosses repeatedly just hoping for the RNG to get the right weapon. So Doom Eternal, I really, you know, fast-paced gameplay, but it's so structured, it's so straightforward, there's nothing in there that I can really deviate from, and I'm just playing that so I feel godlike. I think as far as a game where you can chill out, 
if you just want to, you're pissed off or you had a long day and you just want to come home. And I found this when I was getting ready to do this podcast with six. How many times I go out to the road, shoot some random convoy bad guy coming by, and now there's a couple guys on quad bikes, now there's a helicopter. I don't give a sh- There's no point. I'm just blowing everything up that's in front of me until I'm out of bullets. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, I feel good now. I'm going to make a pizza. And then you're done with the game for the night. And yeah. I think that has an absolute place for me. So like with Far Cry for me, campaign-driven SP- FPS, I don't know. It's probably my top one or two. It's, it's just great that way. And six gave us reasons to come back every week. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's... It's a really welcome addition. That's an interesting classification. For narrative-driven shooters, this would be on the low end for me. As much as I enjoy these games, and I I do enjoy Far Cry quite a bit, and I like, I think they're great games, but for me, like, I'm more of a run-and-gun type player. So something more like Doom Eternal, something with more speed and more action just kind of fits my energy and my chi just better. Yeah, you want to play a shooter to play a shooter. Yeah. Not to play a shooter with a story behind it. Yep. And speed, I think speed and action take away from the ability to explore, right? Because, like, you kind of have to in move these them. games. Yeah, does, you move yeah. them from set you piece to set a piece. Do make sense. You know what I mean? You're running through a Mars alien landscape and just mowing down motherfuckers. Which is awesome. That's awesome. That, that's great. But you know that's what you're getting when you play Doom. When you play Far Cry, you know you're to FPS, but you're getting a narrative behind it as well. And a really immersive one as well. And lots of exploration, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, you do it any way you want to do it. I like the narrative. I like the narrative, and I like the exploration. It just, it slows me down having to stop, tag everybody, think about my approach. Like, I I guess I hate stopping to think about things. Like, I don't want to plot, plot out my approach to an outpost. I just want to go start blasting dudes. It's interesting to me that you have that opinion based on the fact that you and I played far, uh, we played Metal Gear Solid Five together, and at that time, you had said that that was one of the best games you'd ever played, and that I, is an infinitely slower version of Far Cry. That is an interesting point, and I don't uh, view myself as a uh, Kojima fanboy in any regard, but I do believe that Metal Gear Solid Five is one of the best games ever made. I just don't think it's necessarily for me. That's like, fair. That's fair, yeah. Because 5 was fun. Yeah, 5, five had no, a lot no. of awesome elements, and I had yeah. fun even not enjoying stealth games. I remember you on a horse with a rocket launcher, Billy, and that was like maybe one of my favorite memories of that game, was just listening to your belly laughs as you're like riding by, like blasting things That's, on your horse. I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> laugh? You know, who wouldn't laugh? A guy with a rocket arm having a rocket launcher on a horse. Mm-hmm. The best western in the world. It is. It is. Yeah. Tom, the battle I'm running into right now, I, I work a desk job, and the fight that I'm having is it turns out I am sore more often than I have been in years. My low back is sore. My neck is sore. It's crazy because it doesn't feel like a physical job, and it's been a, a year at this point, and this stuff is not calming down. Would you have any suggestion for how I can maybe get some more information about why this is happening to me as well as ways that I can deal with it both at home or if that's not enough, a place where I can get some professional care? Well, Brian, I've known you for a long time and I know what you do for a living. So I'm surprised that you're just sitting at a desk all day. Like you are a very entrepreneurial spirit. You have your own business. Like when, uh, when do things change? Like, is everything okay? Ever since I took an arrow to the knee, I just haven't been able to be out in the public as much as I'd like to. And because of that, I'm just finding that I don't have the mojo at home that I would like. I get it. I get it. You know what you need to do, Brian? 
Check out Premier Health. They have a solution for back pain, neck pain, car accident, knee, arrow to the knee, and desk-related injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. We're going to move on to Tom Awesome's Top 5. It's time now for... Tom Awesome's Top 5 Countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. For the Top 5 today, I'm going to turn it over to Billy for the Top 5 Characters in the Far Cry franchise. Billy, how did you define characters for this? Is this NPCs? Is this animal companions? Is this absolutely anybody who's in a game? What are what were the limitations you put on the list? I'm trying to remember if this is a first or not, but I actually gave you two top five lists, if that's okay. Oh my. All right, bring them on. First one is characters. Second one is going to be animal buddies. All right. We talked about this last night, you and I, and I said... You want me to do the top five? You want characters? Does that include animals? And you said it's up to you. So I said, you know what? Screw it. Let's do both. Because I think they deserve their own categories. All right. Top five. First, Herc Drubman Jr. We brought him up earlier. What game is Herc in? Three, four, five. You see a message from him in a six. Message in six, I yep. think. Right. Is this, he's one of the reoccurring characters. Yeah, Herc. Herc. How would you describe Herc? It's your list, babe. Ooh, Herc would be. Uh, he would. Oh, uh, he would. Uh, why can't I remember the actor's name? Eastbound and Down. Kenny Powers. Yeah, Kenny Powers, the, the actor McBride. who plays him. I'm sorry. Danny McBride. Yeah. He reminds me of Danny McBride. If anybody who's listening right now knows who Danny McBride is, yeah. Uh, uh, this is the end eastbound and down um he's that type of character he's like that you know doesn't give a shit, southern accent kind of feel to him um and he's hilarious he's hilarious when he comes in in three uh no when he comes in in three he's strapping c4 to monkeys and sending them out to blow up in four <laughs> He's part of the Golden Path, but he thinks the Golden Path is the bad guys. And then when the Kira, when the, not the when he's in Kirat and the Golden Path member goes, "We are the Golden Path. You're on our side." And he's like, "I don't speak your language." It's so racist, <laughs> but so f- funny because they do it well. And then he comes in in five as a playable character that you can actually have, where he carries a freaking bazooka. So his his character through all of them has just been fantastic and super enjoyable. Is there any explainable reason why he's in all three locations for all three games, or is he just magically there? They, I mean, the narrative kind of tries to play off as if he's just kind of traveling the world, but there's there's really no reason. It's just he's funny, and Herc Herc is the guy that would pull up to your house in a Firebird. You open the passenger door, he hands you a bottle of Mountain Dew and a fifth of whiskey and answers with yes, brother, to virtually anything you say as yep. you're driving. He's playing that's, Motley Crue. That's Herc. Yep. And that's 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 why it's just so great to, to have him in the game. It really is, yes. So, number five, Herc Drummond Jr. Number four, Robbie Ray Reyna, the DJ of Radio Free Karat in Far Cry 4. 
He is absolutely hilarious. And you only really hear from him when you do his propaganda missions. But only the other times that you hear him is if you pass by a radio or if you're in a car and the radio is playing. He's the DJ for the resistance of the Golden Path. Hmm. And his interactions are absolutely hilarious. (laughs) So they gave it to... um, Hanaj, oh my gosh, I'm 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 gonna completely butcher his name. I apologize. You can edit this part out, Tom. While I'm searching. Oh so no, I, I won't anymore. Okay, move fast, move fast. Oh god, far cry for searching. Um, he's played by. He started off on the Daily Show. He was a correspondent with John Stewart, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Who are just staring at you intently? Tick. Brian and I could talk about stuff, but it's but we're not going to. Yeah. It's the final countdown. Hassan Minaj voices Robbie Ray Reyna. And he does a fantastic job. He really does. He talks so fast. It's so funny. <laughs> and so like it it makes you not want to get out of cars when you're driving around in four. <laughs> You want to know what he says, and it's fantastic. And, like, I appreciate his character because the more you progress in the game, his narrative changes. So, like, when you're starting to unlock more towers in 4, he's like, hey, you've been hearing about this uh, guy running around that's unlocking all these towers and freeing up all of our radio waves? It's been great. And then you move on to beat fortresses. And his character... So, like, they took this character as just this radio DJ who just helps you destroy, like, propaganda sites and stuff like that. And they kind of made him, like, his own thing. And I thought that was really awesome. Plus, you know, Hassan Minaj is hilarious as an actor himself, so... And when it comes to, to four, the buzzer, so the little helicopter, is in the, the infinitely the most effective way to travel because you can skip anything, right? But the thing was I found more often than not I was taking cars to listen to him talk because, again, it like it makes you feel like it's part of the world. He, he He's yep. telling everybody about your exploits in real time, and he's just got some ridiculous opinions on things. Um, so I, I didn't know that that was the guy from the show. Yes. Um, and holy crap, did he kill it? He absolutely killed yeah, that. Hassan Minaj as as Robbie Ray Reyna, number four for hmm. sure, as far as characters go in all the games. Uh, number three, Joseph C. Your first main antagonist on the list. That'd be my main antagonist, Joseph C. Really well done, but not my favorite. When it comes to antagonists or baddies. Not my favorite. I thought his brothers and his sister got more of a gameplay feel in 5 than he did. You know what I mean? Um, and I'll go into that in 6 as well because I, I feel the same way about Castillo. They could have done... so Because Joseph and the actor that does Joseph and voices him were so well done in the scenes that he was in. But then I just didn't feel like they really did too much with him. So, unfortunately, I had to bump him back to three when it came to all the antagonists that I love. Yeah, so that's where I sit with Joseph. I don't know. What do you guys think? Joseph was really good for the fact that he had that quiet intensity. Like, it's very rare in the game that you ever even hear him raise his voice. He, he really doesn't. The only time that you really hear him expressing anything other than like, you know, I'm the father and I love you and I will drive you in the right direction is when you start killing off his siblings. Oh, yeah. He gets sad. And 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 you'll hear him cry and be angry and be like, you don't understand what you did and your arrogance and your pride are going to be doing this to us all. But I will save you. And it's just it's that just 
like fever kind of of resolution that he has that what he believes is correct because he's he makes it perfectly clear god is speaking directly to him and that's kind of the part where i think cult leaders in general right are are two main things they are they are a personality and they are a source of of authority and he is able to convey both of those through through the the character and i the guy i don't remember who the actor was that did it um i remember that it, it it's modeled after him physically but man that guy was excellent and this is not the last time that we see joseph in five we don't this isn't where his story ends does that mean that he's in six I guess you're just going to have to listen to the podcast and find out, Tom. Oh, sorry. That's a good teaser. That's a good teaser. Snaps for Brian. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number two. I'm switching what I have on my list here. Oh, man. We have a last minute change. We have a last minute change because I really give some thought into this. And you are torn between two main antagonists. I sure am, Tom. I sure am. This is going to really, really piss off a lot of people. Really piss off a lot of people. Not me! Not you! I think Pagan Min is going to be number one as the attack. <laughs> <laughs> number two, Vaz. We've talked about both of these characters quite a bit already, and I've experienced both these characters in the game. They're both very, uh, well, Pagan Man is a very charismatic villain, which I'm always drawn to. Voss is a little bit more unhinged. He has a sweet mohawk, pretty badass. Yep. <laughs> uh, was there anything about these two characters that we haven't covered already that you want to address? I don't really need to dive more into this. I mean, those are two of the baddies that are pretty well known in the Far Cry universe as being like the most diverse favorites. So I think a lot of people know about these two. So I've I've just got to say that, man, Pagan just grabbed me way more than not way more. Pagan grabbed me in a different way than Voss did, as far as likability, how well the character was done, and especially just his interaction with you throughout the entire game when you're going through and he just calls you on the radio. Brian, given your affinity for the Borderlands series, did you see some handsome Jack and Pagan men? Like I didn't get deep in the enough in the game to really, really get Pagan Min, but from the early bits and especially that opening sequence, I could see a little bit of Brian, a little bit of Handsome Jack in Pagan Min. I, we've talked about Handsome Jack before as is, he's just a really, really wonderful villain. But with Handsome Jack, the hard thing with Handsome Jack is that he's just rich and a douche. That's if you really boil him down. That's as far as he goes now. The writing and how he conveys those two properties goes a long way. It really does. Pagan Min is a little bit different where I think he's more cerebral. He's he's basically risen to be the dictator of this country. He, for all intents and purposes, should just murder AJ. There's no reason that he shouldn't be. But he has this playful, almost like... It, it Technically, uncle, because he refers to himself at the end of the game. He goes, love you, uncle uh, Pagan. He has this like almost view that they are family, even though AJ clearly doesn't seem to have the same connection to him. But Pagan just has this affinity, this softness towards AJ that he doesn't have with anyone else. Because you get to see the dichotomy as you go through the game of how viciously he deals with even small things. Well, you see that right in the opening moments when a guard 
mistook stopping the bus for shooting the bus. Yep. Shoots him in the head. Yep. Stabs him. He has no he has no problem with that. And then he sits there covered in blood and goes, My apologies. Oh, we got off on the wrong foot. Come on, my boy. Let's get you cleaned up and let's let's I've got a wonderful crab rangu. Yes. Like that's the cool thing about Pagan. Yeah. Pagan yeah. has this crazy, like, extreme uh uh I guess emotional feel that you work through, yep. and that to me just makes it more interesting. I, I, I attributed uh, Pagan Min to like a, a really, really well done James Bond villain. Interesting, yeah, they really did a good job at that. Uh, so number two, Vaz, and sorry for doing this in the incorrect order, Tom. I know that's not uh, well allowed. We do. Um, so before number one, I guess even though we've just been talking about number one, uh, honorable mention. Willis Huntley, CIA agent Willis Huntley, is bad ass. Pardon my French. He's in four games. He spans from three, four, five, and six. He sure does. Yep, absolutely. He's like a side mission character who kind of explains what's going on with you as a protagonist because he's a CIA agent. So, <laughs> and, and what you're doing, how it affects kind of like the global narrative yeah, of what's happening. It's pretty great. And he's just all about America, like America. Like yeah. that's how he operates and it's like he's like he's out of an 80s film. That's the best way to describe he really him, right? Is. Yeah, he's he's like that deep deep undercover CIA agent that has immersed himself way too much <laughs> in his in his like undercover mission, you know what I mean? Everything is a conspiracy. You know what I mean? Like, just kidding, kid. You've been killing CIA agents this entire time, not Pagan Min's men. And you're like, what? What the hell is going on? He's actually the one that brings you to the Himalayas oh. in four. So that's when you leave Kurat to go to the Himalayas. Agent, you know, Agent Huntley is the one that's bringing you there. And his character, yeah, spans from three to six. So more than Herc. Well, it makes one. more sense as yeah. a CIA agent than a random yeah dude that shoots rockets so he's my honorable mention just because the short amount of times that you get to see him you do missions with him and whatnot and you can do a few missions with him i think in four and five if i'm not mistaken. three uh, isn't it three two you see so you meet him in three you do a couple missions with three is it three what's the mission in five five is uh dang it i can't remember. i think it's just on ground missions you gotcha know what i mean like i think you gotta go take out stuff in five but yeah, Will's Will Huntley, honorable mention. Just a great character. Just because when he does swear but not swear, he likes to say pardon my French a lot, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> After he uh, drops an F-bomb. After he, right, exactly. You know what I mean? Or he's like mowing down bad guys and pardon my French. <laughs> awesome list. Let's move on to the best animal buddies. Yes, I wanted to give you all another top, well, I guess four in my opinion. I guess I could have added five. So five I would go... Probably the alligator. No, I wouldn't go the alligator. I'd the go alligator like peaches. Cool. Peaches, the cougar. From or or Luso, essentially the same or character. Or Luso, right? the same character from five and Brokenly six. Brokenly powerful. I thought peaches was a person. No. Peaches what about is, her Miata? Peaches is the... <laughs> a cougar driving a, driving a Miata would be just ridiculous. It would so we're be trying hilarious. to have a serious conversation about God Far Cry it. here, guys. You met her at... <laughs> Miata thing's just killing me. You better at ladies' night on a Wednesday at a local bar. Mother, two margaritas and Applebee's. I had those bruises for weeks. Number five, peaches. <laughs> uh, number four, best animal buddies. 
Chicharron. Chicharron the rooster. Chicharron the rooster. I will the say this fighting about... cock. I'll say this about Punk Far Cry Rock. 6. It has the best rooster-related missions in any video game ever. Does I, it not? Pretty clear. I mean, when you get Chicharron, those are just fantastic. Do you think that piercing on his face is a Prince Albert? Because he's a cock? Because he's a cock? Tom didn't get it. Oh, I got it. He's opening up a search box. Oh, Tom, just close that out, Tom. Don't tell me what to look at at the internet in my own podcasting studio. (laughs) There's going to be so much to edit. Number four, the fighting cock. Number three. (laughs) Number three, I gave gave the boomer. I gave the boomer. He's a fantastic playable character in five. And he makes a triumphant return in six, who Danny names Boom Boom. So he goes from boomer to boom boom. And he's got essentially the same utility utility yeah, as he did it's, in it's five. super effective. It's so it, it's so good. It's so helpful. Yeah. It's the passive radar that we yeah. were talking about. It's the passive helpful. radar, exactly. Yep, absolutely. Um, so yeah, boomer slash boom boom, number three, fantastic buddy to have. Number two, cheeseburger the bear. You look so five. happy. You have the biggest smile right who now. Who would not be happy about a giant brown <laughs> bear named Cheeseburger who helps you take down? bad guys as a tank because you basically just send that mother into a base and he just goes a it's fantastic and it's, it this really is, is when we talk about the anarchy of the game he is like the personification because you can sit back and if you want to pelt people go for it but like i mean it they he draws everyone yes. to him it's just yep. crazy and that's a good way to take down like disable alarms too as you send cheeseburger in and he and what Brian was saying, he draws enemies to him. So you can snipers will hop down off of towers to go and chase after him with the rest of the band. Well, let's think about that for just a second. You're a sniper with a higher powered rifle and a high vantage point, and a bear walks into your camp. Like, are you gonna get down, climb down the ladder? I know how to deal with this bear. I'm gonna go stab it with a knife. I didn't say it was logical. I just <laughs> said it happened. And when we talk about the shortcomings of Far Cry, we'll talk about the game AI. We, sure we got a paragraph about that. <laughs> yes. So cheeseburger, numero dos. Then who is number one? I see it. I see it on the paper here, but I cannot believe it. I think you're going to say a different name when you say... Chorizo. Chorizo. The wiener dog in a wheelchair. Like, I, I get You're the both shaking on. your head. This and is I the one thing it. I've disagreed I with you today. It. Finally, we, no. have some, we have some no back and forth when it comes to mm-hmm. a top five in today's episode. And I love the fact that it is the number one animal character. For me, it's Chorizo. I don't know. I'll tell you why. If I may, Tom. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know why. Okay, so if you're a sneak-and-go type of player when it comes to bases or comes to any enemy types and whatnot, Chorizo's your little boy. You send Chorizo in, he distracts enemies by making them holster their weapon, lean down, and either pet him or they'll try to shoo him away, and then you can come in with a machete kill, you can come in with a sniper rifle, you can come in with a bow, whatever works... And that's how he gets experience on his end is by distracting enemies. So do you have to actively direct him in? Because I had Teresa with me for a long time. I'm like, well, go do whatever it is right, you do. Right on like, the D-pad. Right on the D-pad sound. So, yep. If you, you have to tell him to attack or go to an enemy to distract him. Now, as you build up in six, your amigo is what they're called in the six. So his first one is being able to distract enemies. When you build that up and you distract enough enemies... His next ability, which I think is fantastic, is 
when you're in conflict, you can run up to Chorizo and pet him, and he will instantly refill your entire life bar. I did not know that. Yes. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to have uses, to use some Chorizo. He's a heal factor when you upgrade him. I thought so little of this character, Billy, that I found this out last week. I would place a proximity mine on his head, mm-hmm. and then I would send him <laughs> into the people. Yep. And then I'd call a different amigo because he's dead. Yeah. But you can do that with any amigo. I did it to Chorizo. Well, of course you did. Because you're a monster. Uh, And then his third final upgrade is not only will he distract, not only will he heal you, his third upgrade is when you're just exploring, he'll stop and he'll find an item. He'll find stuff throughout and he'll just dig it up just like how you. And so, yeah. And plus, he's a wiener dog in a wheelchair. Very cute character design. So, So for me, numero uno, buddy. Amigo. It's like Slinky Dog from Toy Story with special needs. I'm not that interested. Unless he's voiced by Ernest. Then we'll talk about it. That's true. He he, he doesn't have a voice. But I am going to definitely use him the next time. Now that I know how to actually use him to distract enemies. Like, I was so frustrated. Like, he was following me around. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing anything. So you have to set him in. To distract yep. enemies. Yep. Yeah. So when you, you have to point at an enemy and hit right on the D-pad, that'll send him. And then um, if you give them directions and, and you want them to call them back, you just hold down that right D-pad again. You'll hear a beep after you hold it for like a, a second, and then they'll go back to resume just following you. And you can do that with any of the followers. Yep. So you can basically sick them, have them go stand places, and then call them back as a free roam. Yep. Yeah. I like having the alligator just attack things. Which is fun. Yeah, but all his passive stuff after his upgrades is basically, yeah, he's an attacker, but his upgrades are like, he upgrades or he heals faster and then he takes less damage. And his top one's useful just because he'll die and resurrect himself. Correct, but he'll like, resurrect I, himself. He's but, so loud, I just couldn't use him. Exactly. Yeah. So I, yeah, I I grouped the alligator um, in with. And I, well, I can't think of his god name. Chomper. No. No, it's not Chomper, but... No, it's... Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. There's my top five and my top five. Top five and top five. What a special bonus treat to have an extra list. Brian, do you have any thoughts on the top five list before we move on? Anyone that we overlooked? Um... Aluso, uh, I believe, is the name of the black jaguar that you can get in six. And that was probably my favorite. Um, I'd switch between Boom Boom for the utility and Aluso. Um, Aluso is unique for... Um, it's kind of like Peaches, where it can kill uh, individuals silently. But once you start to unlock the levels on it, um, a couple of the abilities are really useful. One, it winds up scaring people. If they see Aluso kill somebody, they will bolt. So they'll flee. So That's now realistic. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, now you've separated them. Um, anyone that the jaguar kills um, immediately turns like into almost like a fiery ash. Like so, there's no body to find; they're just gone. Yep. And then, the, so it's an enchanted jaguar. Yes. And yes. then once they're at half life, um, it gets a buff where essentially it can't take damage for a certain amount of time. So it's it can't be hurt, which is remarkably useful as well. So if you want to just go high end attack, uh, probably the best in the game. Boom Boom, I think, has as much utility, though, as, as you can ask for. So it's for me, I'd always be fluctuating really between those two. But never Chorizo. Never once. Well, for, well outside of the explosion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, for fans of the Far Cry series, what did we miss? Tweet your thoughts at TomSidLogicOIO or email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com. We're going to step aside for just a moment. We're going to bring in Dr. Camille to talk about proper icing and tips for things that you can do at home before seeking extra care. And now we're going to welcome back friend of the show, Dr. Camille from Premier Health in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. Welcome back, Dr. Camille. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. You are here today to help computer gamers with a chronic condition, something that affects everyone who just sits at a computer and writes all day or uh, plays endless hours of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt on their PC. Carpal tunnel syndrome, what can we do to protect our hands and wrists? So when it comes to carpal tunnel syndrome, one of the things that's often not quite understood are that there's actually multiple causes that can be triggering this type of pain or, or symptom. Um, when it comes to the carpal tunnel, there's actually a lot of nerves and, and tendons that are running through this area. And so it's not always the tunnel of the wrist that's the problem. So working on keeping um, the muscles in your forearms stretched out, keeping them loose is actually one of the best things that you can do. Um, we've actually been seeing a lot of people who you know, are spending a, a lot of time on their uh, like PS4s, their uh, console games having a lot of, t of carpal tunnel like symptoms too. I, you know, I've even noticed this myself when I'm, you know, playing Mario Kart against my husband and obviously I'm beating him. So I've got to be intense with it. And I've noticed my thumbs hurting, which can lead into my wrists hurting. And it all comes back to the muscles in my forearms because those are what are controlling all of the motion in my hands. So one of my favorite things to do to keep these muscles nice and loose is actually take ice cubes um, directly onto those muscles because you can one, use the ice to actually get the inflammation down, but two, you can use the ice to apply a little bit of pressure and get some of that tissue or those muscles a little bit looser in a slightly less painful way than an actual deep tissue massage. And when you use ice on the skin, um, which is a moist cold versus an ice pack, which is a dry cold, it actually gets a lot deeper into the tissue. Um, and you only don't have to use it for like, you know, two, three, four minutes for the tissue to go numb versus an ice pack that takes 15 to 20 minutes for the area to go numb. So it's a very effective way to do it. And a quick clarification, that's ice directly on the skin. You don't want anything in between it. You don't want any barrier between the ice. Absolutely not. Ice directly on the skin. It's the melting of that ice onto the skin um, that does that great job. Just like athletes use ice baths, you can even do the same thing with that too. Um, if you use your like a, a bucket with water and ice in it, you can make your own little ice bath and submerge the arm into the, or submerge your wrist into um, your ice bath for two, three, four minutes and create a very similar effect. Um, if you don't want to use um, an actual ice cube to be digging into the muscle, but it does a wonderful job to get that inflammation down and really alleviate a lot of those symptoms. Well, that's awesome advice. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Make sure you book your appointment with Dr. Camille at Premier Health in Coon Rapids. Visit their website at premierhealthmn.com. That is premierhealthmn.com. Thank you to Dr. Camille for stopping by. Now we're going to turn it over to Brian. Before we get into Far Cry 6, we're going to play something that I love, Two Truths and a Lie. Brian runs this game for us. He's, he's going to read us three statements. Two of them will be true. It's up to Billy and me to determine which one is the lie. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Bonesaw's ready. Let's do this. Bonesaw? Bonesaw's ready. <laughs> 
Oh, Randy Savage, you and your wonderful growth hormone biceps. Yeah, I should have worn my uh, WWF shirt today. I was torn between Dookie and my I got old three school wrestlers. Be- between his sunglasses and what looks like worms crawling under his skin due to his age and steroid use, just great. Rest in peace. Just great. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Randy. All right, so we're going to kick it off here. we got two truths and a lie. So what's going to happen here, for those of you that don't, know, don't understand how the game works, I am going to be reading three statements, and it's going to be up to Billy and Tom to determine which one is not true. So there will be two statements that are true, one that is false. So we're going to do this in five questions. The opponents have to get to a total with opponents, Billy and Tom, because... Everyone's against them, and everyone's rooting for me. So we have to get to three. The boys need to get to three, um, and then they have won the round. If they can't get there, victory, Brian. So uh, we're going to start off with the first one, uh, the first set of three. Far Cry was originally built to showcase the Cry engine. Statement number two. Far Cry 3 is the best-selling Far Cry game to date. And then statement 3. One of the Far Cry 2's more odd mechanics was you could catch malaria during gameplay. I think I know what it is already. I think that uh, I think that the Crytek engine is... Uh, that sounds believable enough that I feel like that is the false one. That is the false one because it's the Dania engine, if I'm not mistaken. All right, we're going to go Dania, with... Dania, Dania, I believe. Well, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. Crytek engine is not the Far Cry engine. That is the lie. That is the lie. Both of you are wrong. Billy, you were correct in the Dania engine, but Dania engine did not come on until 2. Really? Far Cry 1 was originally almost essentially a... Um, tech demo? A tech demo. Basically, what? What, they were, what they were trying to show was how far they could do draw distance. That was the whole point of the... Thing. really yeah oh. so it was like dinosaurs on an island and then two they brought up that so yes you were correct you just had the wrong game oh, wow yeah, actually okay. by right. the way good way to pull that out i was just like oh crap because <laughs> the second he said to do and i'm like okay someone did his research before um far cry 3 is not the best selling far cry game to date that's interesting because it's oh. had so long to sell what five as odd as five it is, is for is selling 25 million copies. For as much complaints as there is, Far Cry 3 in its entirety only sold 12 million total. Hmm. Fascinating. Isn't that crazy? I dig that. Uh, okay. That's and a then, good one. That's and a good one to start. I appreciate that. Far Cry 2's uh, mechanics. Um, yeah, malaria. You could catch it in the game. I remember and seeing then, that on the history of Far Cry when I watched through that YouTube. And then you just like slowly die until you're healed. But it was random where you caught it. So like, okay. I can see why people complained. Which is silly because why wouldn't you get a malaria shot before you go overseas like that? Great question. Great question, Billy with the logic. <laughs> All right. So the boys are down 0-1. to 0 1. I like that. This feels good. I'm happy with where we're at so far. So we've got question two. We're going to go through our three statements. Statement one, Far Cry 6 is the first in the series to allow you to have a chicken as a partner. Statement two, Michael Mondo, the voice of Voss, had never acted prior to voicing the character. And the third statement, Far Cry 5 was inspired by the occupation of Masher Wildlife Refuge, in which armed militants took residence in the Oregon-based National Park for 40 days. And if you guys need any repeats, please ask. Now, the third statement contradicts what Brian told us earlier about Far Cry 5 emulating the situation in Oregon, he said. Was it Oregon that he said before? He definitely said Oregon. Okay. 
So I feel like that one might be a lie. Could you burn through them real quick one more time, yeah, Brian? One more time, yep, please. No problem. Thank you. Far Cry 6 is the first in the series to allow you to have a chicken as a partner. Two is Michael Mondo, the voice of Voss, had never acted prior to voicing the character. And Far Cry 5 was inspired by the occupation of Masher Wildlife Refuge, in which armed militants took residence in the Oregon-based National Park for 40 days. I feel like the uh, the Voss one could be true, because you often hear stories about breakout actors in video game voice acting. Sure. Like in Senua, uh, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, the main character there was supposed to be a stand-in, but she nailed the role so well that they wound up not hiring like an a, actress. Like a Han Solo thing with, with Harrison Ford. Like yeah. He came in to read and just killed it. Right. So I feel like maybe that was just a uh, a random person that they struck gold with. And Ubisoft's a big company, so I feel like that one could be true. I'm leaning towards the last one. What about the uh, chickens? I mean, a rooster is technically a chicken, right? It would be, the, yeah, we'll, we'll say this is the first game to allow chicken or rooster. We'll just say that. Cover all the bases. As, a, as like an amigo, as a buddy? Is as a partner to be used. It fights alongside you, yeah. put it that way. No, that's true. I'm pretty sure that's true. All right, so we're going to go with the false statement being the last one about Far Cry 5. Now, you don't have to be choosing the same thing together. Right, you? I know. Are you with him on that? <laughs> no, I'm going to go Vaz as a voice actor, being that his was his first. I think that's the lie. Okay. Final answers? Yep. Yep. Billy got it. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Good job, Billy. Michael Mondo had like two roles prior on very small uh, series. One was like a... A TV series, and then the other one prior to that was a like an independent film. Um, Far Cry Five, though it was inspired by that cult activity that happened out in Washington, not Oregon, Washington. The other part of it, that's why everybody's a doomsday bunker guy, like all the militants. That's why all these country folks are carrying guns, hiding in the woods, was related to the incident that took place at the Masher Wild Re- uh, Life Refugee. Oh, okay. You all set right. me up for failure with that earlier in the show. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that. Well done, sir. Well played. Good good memory there. That's my pagan min. (laughs) The slow burn. Slow burn. Snap for Brian again. That's Tom's replaced hip. So we got. (laughs) It's actually my penis. Retractable. Um, We call him Robotech. So we're on to number three. Um, Number three. Question number one Anton's surname translates in English to castle. And that's from Far Cry 6, Anton Castillo? Yep, all of these questions are going to be related to him. So Anton Castillo is heavily based off the Cuban dictator Fidel Castro. And then three, Castillo came to power through free elections similar to the Austrian-born German dictator Adolf Hitler. Can you go through those one more time, please? Anton's surname translates in English to castle. Anton Castillo is heavily based off of the Cuban dictator Fidel Castro. Castillo came to power through free elections, similar to the Austrian-born German dictator Adolf Hitler. First one's a lie. That's a good one. That's good. I, oh, man. I had to make him harder. Tom slayed this when I did Castlevania. Man, alive. My... You're good I, at this game, I'm right? doubting. Yeah, man, you're really good. I'm doubting my Spanish. Which is terrible already. So yeah, I, mean, I know I restaurant like, Spanish. Yeah. So if you ask me, I what took che- German in high school. If you so ask me, this what really isn't helping much. Cheeseburger <laughs> was. <laughs> if it was cheeseburger, I could do this just fine. But Castillo. Castillo. Cheeseburger's name is based off an American Castillo dish. Castillo is Castle. Yeah, I don't think it's Castle. Either. I don't think it's Castle. 
I'm comfortable with my answer. God damn it. Yeah. Castillo is not castle. You guys should never, ever go to a Spanish-speaking country. You're both wrong. Castillo, Castillo means castle. Is castle? Yeah. And the one that I thought you would guess, um, Anton Castillo is heavily based off the Cuban dictator Fidel Castro. Despite having a surname that sounds similar to Castro, he is primarily based off of Falen- Falencio Batista, the former dictator of Cuba prior Sure, uh, and I know that Yara okay. was based loosely off of Cuba, so I just kind of yep. slid into that. Both men oversaw a brutal regime of government repression, censorship, and corruption. So that's where he, he gets, because apparently this dictator, uh, Mr. Batista, was the one, like Fidel kind of got there through free election, which is what Castillo did too. Um, but what Batista did was, is he basically said, if you disagree with me, you just disappear. Like he was brutal, and that's what sparked the civil war that put Fidel into place. Oh, Fascinating. Who also cool. was a minor league pitcher for the Mets. There you go. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, pitcher throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't uh, even think of yeah. this. Is, on, I work on levels. I work on many levels. Well, okay. I've officially lost this game. Maybe we can get Dr. Camille to come in here and finish off the I show. Think we definitely yeah. lost this for Tom sure. Tom pooped the bed. Billy's got one. Billy, here's the deal, Billy. If you nail the final two, you still win. You've missed. You missed the first... Got the you, second. You got, yep. Missed the third. Yeah. So there's two more here. You got to hit three. So this is where you can't really screw up anymore. Oh, no pressure. You got this. No pressure. Are you ready? Going into question four. Joseph Seed is the youngest antagonist in the Far Cry series. Younger than Castile, for sure. He's got to be older than Voss. Sorry, second statement. Far Cry 6 was set to release... In February of 2021, but was delayed until October of 2021 due to the pandemic. That sounds super believable, which makes me doubt it. Three, two primary antagonists in the Far Cry universe can both be found in the Breaking Bad series. Huh. I have no clue on this one, Billy. The bad guys? Two of them can be found in Breaking Bad? Two primary antagonists. Primary antagonists. So if we break it down, so the primary. Are you talking then like lieutenants of the primary baddies? We could include them. I would say that I would say that um, for this particular question, let's limit it to just like the iconic ones, so we can forget like the faiths. We can forget. So it's the pagan seed man, brothers. Joseph Seed, Voss, Voss, and whoever's in the first two. Don't. I mean, there's and Castillo and Castillo. Two primary antagonists in the Far Cry universe can both be found in the Breaking Bad series. I mean, that one sounds too false to be false, but I'm going to go with that one. No, because it's just it's just Castillo. The oh, so the actor that played Castillo was in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Oh. He was like, yeah. Oh. Hmm. That's how he became very well known as an actor not that he was a, was not a good actor prior to breaking bad that's really i guess you could say his breakout role what was the very first of the three <clears throat> joseph seed is the youngest antagonist in the far cry series i mean he had a younger brother who was one of his lieutenants i'm gonna say that one's the lie i'm gonna go with number one again joseph seed is not the youngest antagonist that's tough i don't even remember anybody talking about anyone's age no i'm gonna go the breaking bad one i'm gonna give i'll give you a point tom based on on how you interpreted it because if you if we look at the lieutenants as being primary antagonists which i don't because there's one big bad 
Um, you're right. He had a younger brother. Um, but Joseph Seed of the primaries, because Voss isn't even primary. It's the other guy that's primary. Oh, sure. Voss is for, or so. And when you said iconic, that's when I lumped yep, Voss in. That's, and that's, and that's based on nomenclature. I'm going to give it to you. Um, Joseph Seed was Hooray, 42. He's the youngest one at 42. Um, Castillo is the oldest at 67. Yep. Um, Far Cry 6 was set to release due to the pandemic and pushed back. That is true. Yep. Um, the lie was Breaking Bad. Mondo, the gentleman that played Voss, he and, and the gentleman that plays Castillo can both be found in Better Call Saul, not Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. Yeah. So point to me. Technically, is Breaking is Better Call Saul technically the Breaking Bad series? No. No, no so I said the Better two, Call Saul yep. series. If you said Better Call Saul, then probably I would have gotten it. And they're both in the Better Call Saul, not Breaking Bad. Right. So the two primary antagonists in the Far Cry universe can both be found in Breaking Bad. So that is the lie. That was the lie. Okay, cool. Nice job, Billy. Nice. All right. You're still alive. One one more. Yeah. You got this, dude. Well done. Okay. So now the interesting thing, too, with my first... I never saw um, the guy that plays Castillo in Breaking Bad, but I did see him... Like, he's such an excellent character for those of you that have seen The Boys. Also, real quick, just in case you guys didn't know this, I re-watched Spider-Man, okay? The the first one with Tom Holland. Mond, homecoming. Yes, Homecoming. Voss is in that. He's the guy that approaches the vulture going, hey, I think, you know, I understand that you you under- know who Spider-Man is. And he's got he's the guy that becomes Scorpion. He's got the Scorpion tattoo on his neck. Oh, That's Voss. Cool. Huh. Isn't awesome. that crazy? Right yeah. on. That's awesome. All right. Billy, yes. it comes down to this. No pressure. Are you ready? No pressure. Let's do it. Let's do it. I can't believe you got that Breaking Bad one. I thought I, thought I was going to screw you there, but you figured it out. No. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was just Giancarlo Esposito. All right. Here we go. Last one. The original Far Cry is considered the first open-world FPS by most. So, the great majority. Obviously, people can cut hairs, but the majority of the community considers it. Far Cry 4 is the first to have a protagonist that is native to the game's environment. And Far Cry 5 is the first Far Cry game to compel players into spending real-world currency for in-game items like prestige weapons, vehicles, and player outfits, although the use of the real-world currency is not the only way to obtain the items. You're talking a, not a made-up currency? It, we're you talking real world it's the first it. one where we they actually you can use American dollars in real life to buy game content. Right. Yeah, that's got to be true. That's true. That's got to be true. That's real world currency. Yeah. Also, f- you video games. No kidding. So that one's true. Then we that's have that's true. Uh, and then can you can you do one and two again, please? The the first one is the original Far Cry is considered the first open world FPS by most of the gaming community. So you're saying Far Cry one? Got it. Okay. Far Cry 4 is the first to have a protagonist that is native to the game's environment. That's true. Pagan Man is from Kirat. So I'm going to go with the first Protagonist. One. So Ajay. Oh, sorry. Just make just right, for clarity's sorry, purpose, just because I didn't know if you, you heard it wrong. 2004, the first Far Cry. I wish you guys could see their faces. <laughs> like the eyebrows are furrowed and they're thinking deeply. I've got a... I've got to assume there is an open world shooter no. before Far Cry. Can you repeat number two one more time and how it's phrased, please? Far Cry 4 is the first to have a protagonist that is native to the game's environment. Native. So Brody was uh, a tourist. AJ was born in Kirat, but he was raised in America. 
So is that native? Why are you looking at me, Brian? You're the one to define native in this case. Yeah. Would you consider that native? Is that technically correct? If you're born in a view, country, view it this are way. you view it this way. country? View it this way. Let's look at just it just because I can see where you're going with it. Look at citizenship. We'll just put it that way. Well, he wasn't a citizen of Kirat, so that must be the lie. No. Hmm? He wasn't a citizen. He had to have his passport, and the U.S. was telling him not to go. This is tough. God damn it. I'm going to go with number one is the lie. So am I. Congratulations. Billy yes! won the game. He got it. Oh. Nice work, Billy. Yep. So basically, AJ, based on the fact that he's born there, it's essentially a dual citizenship thing. He has it. Yep. But he's not a native. He is He is native to the country. His lineage comes from the country. His lineage. So he yep. is lineage. Okay. So that is, so he is, that is considered. Is mm-hmm. Yep. God. Yep. And then the original Ooh. Far Cry, actually, there was no open world to the original Far Cry. No, I thought it was, it was uh, top down. It wasn't top-down, but it was level-based. Level-based. Yep, okay, so yeah. you were stuck basically um, in episodes of the game. That's how it worked. So Billy winds up drilling Woo! the last three to come to a victory. I thought I thought I had him. Tom absolutely floundered. There was no point in even having him in the room for this. Brian, this was a really good game. Thank you for doing the research and for putting nice together the questions. Game. That was really good. My that pleasure. was fun. The key is just trying to make sure it's it's it's... Simple enough to sound real. That's the key. So awesome, I enjoyed you guys. that a lot. Thank you very much. Yeah, there were none that were obvious. Yeah, when we did the Castlevania one, Tom really was, did make it. Think, Tom was calling him out like as I was saying, "That's a lie." It's like God bless it. <laughs> For the record, that was way more fun. I know Brian is itching to talk about Far Cry Five: New Dawn, but we're gonna make him wait just another minute as we start our conversation about Far Cry Six. This game released last year in 2021. It has a Metacritic score of 74. 74! They have all gone down since Far Cry 3. Far Cry 6 takes place in 2021 in the fictional Caribbean island of Yara. The dictator Anton Castillo is trying to restore Yara to international prominence by creating a cure for cancer. To do so, he is spraying poison on the nation's rich tobacco fields, poisoning his workers and his citizens. As any good dictator does, Castillo starts rounding up commoners to work in his death fields. As the game begins, you take the role of Danny Rojas, an orphan who bounced out of the Yarn military. You get swept up into the revolution to take down Castillo. To succeed, you're going to need to recruit other factions. These include a well-respected farm family, a past-their-prime group of guerrillas more than 50 years removed from their own rebellion, and young tech-savvy arm dealers, among others. The core gameplay loop changes slightly in this game. In Far Cry 6, you find yourself completing operations or story missions for the groups you're trying to recruit. You complete short side quests or yarn stories for individual characters. You're still clearing enemy bases and checkpoints, you're searching for collectibles all over the map, you're upgrading your bases, and you're shooting tons of dudes and leveling up, although there is no longer a skill tree. Ryan, you played Far Cry 5.5 New Dawn. What elements of that game were what elements were introduced in that game that you saw carry over into 6? There was a lot of inspiration taken from New Dawn moving into 6 in regards to particularly the base building. Um, in New Dawn, which takes place like 20 years after the nuclear fallout of Montana, you have a home base that there's different areas that you can level up, whether it be your workbench to make better guns or to 
uh, there's an area where you are planting essentially plants that you can be using for different forms of uh, syringes maps of different areas, ways to train your partners that you're bringing with you to have more health and better combat ability, vehicles, all that kind of stuff. So they actually took almost like an RPG approach to it in a little bit of a way. They added that uh, to kind of give you a reason to go out in the world and collect all these resources that you were using to build up your home base, unlocking more of the game, unlocking more of the story, and going from there. And it's very clear that a lot of these themes got brought into six, uh, both for the good and the bad of it. And let's talk about our personal attitudes towards DLC for just a moment. This was an add-on thing for five. They were very clearly working on some things for six, and they must have thought they had some magic, and they released it as not a standalone thing, as DLC for another existing game. How do you guys feel about shelling out your money for something that is essentially bridge content from five and a half to six? Did you enjoy revisiting the world of five, which was not your favorite Far Cry, in order to test these new mechanics and help them refine them for six? DLCs as far as Far Cry goes, New Dawn was the only one that I've played. So Blood Dragon, the new DLCs with the baddies from 3, 4, and 5, I have not played yet. So I'm not going to be the voice for this content, only with New Dawn. And I'm certainly not either. The only DLC I've ever played for any game ever was on Borderlands 2. I just, for whatever reason, I don't buy, I don't play DLC. Like, I play what's on the disc or what's in the digital download. And then generally, once I see the credits roll, like, I am on to the next thing. There is an endless stream of games that I want to play. And, like, once I beat, like, that initial thing or once I move off the initial thing, like, I never, I never go back. Brian, am I crazy? No, I think there's different reasons to buy DLC. Um, I bought some of the Borderlands DLC only, only the ones that had overpowered gear just because I am a bit of a completionist when it comes to like min-maxing, say, when it comes to Borderlands. There are two DLCs I bought purely based on the fact that you could get some weapons out of killing some of those raid bosses that were absolutely absurd for the build that I was using. And it was worth me putting in a little bit extra money just to see how ungodly powerful I could make my most. That was definitely worth it to me. Far Cry New Dawn was a little bit different just for the fact that I enjoyed so much of the Far Cry loop, I wanted a little bit more of it. And there had been enough of a change with the base building, some of the weaponry up-leveling, and on top of that, this takes place post-apocalyptic nuclear warheads going off, right? So the environment's very different. There's weird plants that are growing. There's weird animals that are walking about. All of these people desperately trying to hold on to humanity. You find out that Joseph's cult still exists. And actually, in Far Cry um, New Dawn, you have to team up with them to deal with a much worse entity called um, the Highwaymen, which are basically just a, a group of individuals that are just coming in marauding like Mad Max style and leaving. Yep. You find out that Joseph C. didn't die. He's now some old super skinny guy living up in the mountains who uh, apparently this tree can give you superpowers that God gave him, which he will bestow on to you. You find out that the Rook isn't even dead. The player that you played as in New Dawn is a character called the Judge who exists in the cult. He wears a mask, he's got a bow, and when you talk to uh, Joseph, you realize it's the deputy. Yep. Tell me that the Judge doesn't say anything in the DLC. Either. Not a word. Not a word. The mute FBI agent. They kept that. 
That's wild. Yep. So the it, the New Dawn DLC was worth it to me because it did add on to a, a core gameplay that I already enjoyed. <clears throat> And I could then contact Billy and go, hey, dude, let's do some special missions and level up our home bases. Yep. And we had a blast doing it. Absolutely. I'd say the co-op version, the co-op factor of the game is probably my most favorite of doing That was the best, even amongst six, I'd say, so far. That's easily the best. So Sounds really interesting. The odds of me actually finishing five and then buying the DLC and moving on to it, very, very slim. Well, let's dive into Far Cry 6. We'll start with the story. Now, Brian, I know you're not a narrative-driven guy. Like, you're much more of a gameplay guy. But I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about how the story in 6 compares to the other games. Brian, I don't think you were impressed. No, it's a lot more expansive. I mean, there isn't really an argument on that. So, essentially, there's three large regions of... Bigger doesn't always mean better, correct? Yeah, that's kind of where we're going here. The There's three regions, basically, of Yara, and what you have to do is recruit factions from each one to unite them as a whole, basically taking a bunch of different groups of rebels, creating one large rebel alliance, and then attacking a large city, almost like a Death Star. Where have we heard this before? Now, the problem Star was... Star Wars, that's where the Death Star was from. Oh, oh Star Trek? Yeah, that's right. Oh, I love Star Trek, dude. I love that one. Sweet. This guy. This guy. Tom, do you know that I've never seen a Star Wars movie? No. It's not true. That was false. Yeah, I know that's not point. true. I remember in high school you had a book of like these Star Wars vehicles where like you could see cross-sections of the different ships and stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. And yeah. I, uh, the the game itself, I, as much as like bringing on the Rebels, uh, essentially, again, this is almost like this is a, not an uncommon narrative in media, um, is great. But the problem with it is that they brought so many different NPCs into it that they tried to make a prominent role with that it just lost so much of its emphasis. After a while, it was just like, what am I even doing anymore? And all that on the factions felt a little generic to me. Now, I like the Monteros quite a bit. I like their family struggle, and that's the 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 storyline that I spent the most time with. Yeah, the dad was great. And what happens with the dad I thought was really interesting. Uh, But the the Legends of 67, I thought were just generic old gorillas. Although the one one guy calls you Baby Baby Tigre, and I was charmed by that. Then there were the young, like, tech-savvy terrorist types. It's like, oh, the Watchdogs are in this. Okay. Ubisoft, yeah. Keep it Ubisoft strong. And then I felt like the other faction was like the YouTube streamer generation. The hip-hop artists. Yeah, the hip-hop. And it's just like... We're going to go to the Capitol. We're going to have the biggest concert ever. That was a legit mission. Yep. What am I doing? They're taking down baddies while they're having a rap concert. I mean, I appreciate that they tried to have a diverse cast. And I love interesting characters. But... Plus, I I apologize. Uh, First transgender character if i'm not mistaken oh yeah was that paulo yeah that was the yep that would be the the two the rap artists you got one transgender yep yeah i like the paulo mission where you had to erase his debt i thought that was interesting but other than that i didn't like my interactions with that faction at all i did not know that they were transgender i totally somehow missed that skip the cutscenes. I did skip most of the cutscenes. Yeah, yep. when when um, you are not a story guy. When they oh, are God, so when bored. they are talking about to Danny when she first jumps into the camp. Oh, they chose female. Why did you? Clearly. Of course they did. When they when they when she when they say why did you leave the military and Danny says I punched mine in the throat, my drill instructor in the throat. Why did you leave? And he goes, well. Daddy wasn't so happy when his favorite son turned into, you know, became a woman. 
So Super that's interesting. Yep. Cool. Sorry, just had a little sidebar there. So I thought that was a nice, a nice touch for sure. Yeah, I agree. There were a lot of NPCs and a lot of things that they tried to cram into here, but any good, any good conflict has a strong protagonist and a strong antagonist. I want to talk about Castillo. I didn't. I got uh, maybe a third of the way through this game. I put in a solid twenty-five hours or so into it. I liked Castillo. He didn't strike me as like a typical big bad. I thought he was a. Uh, he felt like a more real human, like a more of a regular dude, especially compared to some of the other like stereotypical factions that you're dealing with in this game. Billy, I don't think that you were as enamored with Castillo as I was. I wasn't. I love the voice actor. Obviously, he's a phenomenal... He, he does that role well. And I think we talked about... Was it on air or off air where you guys told me what the ultimate motivation was for the Castillos? And the Viviro. Oh, yeah. So the Viviro... Let's air. not... That was off air. Okay, that was, that off, was air. off air. There's a big <clears throat> spoiler there. And like knowing that, that I didn't know what I was playing through, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is very, that is very interesting and very relatable. And I... And because of that, I like Castillo as a villain. Right, exactly. So there's ways that you like him and there's ways that you don't, especially when you go through all the games again. Playing those different against those different antagonists, you think of Castillo in a different way because I didn't see him as... I, I saw him as less of a hands-on baddie than the rest of them were. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Again, not trying to spoil this game. Sure. And let's talk about tone. We talked a lot about Voss. We talked about a lot about Pagan Men. These are larger-than-life characters, very flamboyant, a striking visual style. Everything about Castillo is more muted, more reserved. Do you guys think that made him boring, or do you think that made him more human? I'm, I lean towards the human side. I think that just made him more relatable. I think he's he reminds me a little bit of Joseph Seed in a way where, without the, the cult fanaticism... He is someone who genuinely believes what he's doing is right. And then due to some personal factors that he's working through, you get a better understanding of why he has almost like a manic timetable for how fast he needs things to change. Like it becomes a lot more clear later on why he is just so fervent about what he's been doing. But he is someone who completely understands the process of being uh, political you can see that he's clearly understands diplomatic approaches because he is negotiating with other countries due to the drugs that they are creating within the country. And so the, the drug that they're creating, they're spraying it on their tobacco leaves, I want to say. Yep. And it's basically, it's it's a cancer cure. Or not maybe a cancer cure, should they're I say. They're trying to develop a cancer it's, cure. It, right. But it's been proven. That's why he's negotiating with so many people. It dramatically slows the spread of cancer. That's why it's so incredibly powerful. The problem is, is that the, the means with which to make it is so brutally inhumane, but that's what dictators do. But through the news, they're not painting it as a painful way to make Viviro. Yep, they're lying. Which is in the opening epilogue of through Castillo talking through the beginning of the game, which I found absolutely beautiful. That was, the opening is maybe the best opening of any of them. That ties with four is my favorite opening. Really good. It's interesting. There is a theme throughout all the Far Cry games that we've talked about, about the danger of controlled media, of like having a dictator type figure controlling the airwaves and just the, the damaging impact that can have on society. It's interesting that that through line carries through all the games. It does. They really do like the whole propaganda thing, for sure. You they know, do. They, they hammer on it hard in four, where you're destroying propaganda centers. 
and tearing down posters. Right, exactly. I think that carries more from four on than it does really in three. Three's not a... It's three, you just land on an island that's just filled with pirates. Yep. Yeah, and then those pirates got to get it. Yep, because in five, you, uh, you have one of the lieutenants, one of the brothers is actually running the propaganda arm, and in six, actually, so Castillo, who is the dictator, his son is Diego, who he's grooming to take over as the leader of the regime. His mother, which is quite clearly not a known fact, she denies it multiple times on camera, she's the one that runs the entire propaganda arm. So when you, when you kill her... He simply looks to Diego and goes, your mother is dead. And that's the first time in the game. I don't know if you want to do a spoiler alert on that. How far in do you want as far as spoiler alerts go? The thing that we mentioned off air, I think, should be off limits. Okay. I think other than that, I mean. In-game, like, deaths and storylines you're okay with? Yes. And I agree with Brian. That is 100%. Yeah, like. The propaganda machine. It was pretty clear six. what she was anyway. Right, mean, you, exactly. You'd yeah. have to be pretty obtuse to miss So it, yes, that, that, that arc has been carried through four through six. And I think they do a really good job at that. It's also interesting that this is the first game where you get to choose the gender of your protagonist. Not true. In five, you could. Five, you can be a male. This is the first time you can choose a gender and have a voice. Oh. Correct, yes. All right, well, that's a big evolution. Let's talk about the co-op. Let's talk about the co-op. In this game, did they finally get it right? Story progress, carry over, you're shaking your head. Oh my goodness, nope. Ubisoft, Same what are you thing. doing? Four, five, six, they just kept yep. tripping over themselves. Now, you could do the special ops, which they had adopted from 5.5, 5, mm-hmm. but in the special ops, Billy and I had played some together. The, the, the old special ops, what you would do is you'd rush into an area... You'd find a backpack with a beacon on it, pick it up, and then it's time to bolt out, get to a, a basically a, a landing zone for your chopper, hop on after you defend it for long enough and you're out. This one, you basically work your way into wherever you're supposed to. They've been taking the, the VO and they're making it into a bomb. Now, the, when you pull this thing out of the containment unit, one of the two partners has to hold it at all times. The problem is with this thing is that it overheats, and if it overheats long enough, it blows up, you both die, and it ends your mission. So one of you two constantly is running, attempting to find a water source with which you can cool this thing off while the other guy's shooting. So it's kind of just sucked because Billy and I are getting ready to play. It's like, okay, do you want to be the 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 babysitter for this one? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll be the babysitter for this one. Yep. While the other guy's having the fun, you're standing under a water fountain. So it's... I wish they would have had maybe a different dynamic to what it was, but at least the special ops were there. It just really had very little staying power. Yeah. That that is so disappointing. Billy, Mm -hmm. I know you've also played Ghost Recon Wildlands. That game is essentially a four-player Far Cry experience. Ubisoft, you can do co-op in these games. Like You can make it fun and interesting. Right, because, yeah, Wildlands, they did it well. It was they amazing. Really did it well. I literally played through that entire I game with those three games friends too. So you know they can do it. Really disappointing. So that unfortunately, they do. yeah, I think they fell short with the co-op play again in six. What a bummer. So Far Cry Six, if you're gonna play it, which I recommend that you do, it is a solo experience. Well, that's it for the show. Everyone, go home. Okay, bye. The only thing I'd say about that story too is the problem is that when they do add so many characters. When they attempt to kill somebody off for like some sort of emotional impact, there's like 40 other people you're working with. So you're like, okay, Jeff's out. Moving on. Yeah. Like, who else has a mission? Nobody had an emotional impact to me outside of someone from the very end. Nobody. Well, you're also a heartless robot that doesn't watch the cutscene. So maybe, (laughs) 
Billy, did they kill off anyone you cared about? In six? Yeah. This silence feels an awful lot like a no. I can't say. Okay, I appreciate that. I can't say. We've talked a lot about the tactics that we employ in Far Cry games. Brian, you talked about your ideal loadout. How did you approach Far Cry 6? I'll start with this as kind of the fresh eyes on the Far Cry series. Uh, Speaking of the game as a whole, I mostly stuck to the operations to try to get as far in the story as possible. I will say that the operations, the main story missions, they're really good. Like, they're really well done. The set piece moments are great. They're a lot of fun. There is a lot more story packed in this game than I anticipated. Like, I thought at 25 hours I would be a good chunk of the way through the story. And I'm like, I haven't even finished off one faction storyline. Like, I got to a thing that I thought was the end of the Monteros. And then, like, oh, there's more. Great. Great. I'm going to be so unprepared for this show. And as much as I tried to focus on those main operations, I kept getting distracted by side stuff. It's like, oh, well, there's this checkpoint in my way. I guess I better, I have to clear out this checkpoint or I can't get to this other thing that I need. It's like, oh, well, here's a treasure chest. It's a little bit off the path. I'll go get that and hopefully I'll get a new stealth weapon. And I kept getting distracted. And then for some reason, anytime I got in a new car, anytime I got into a new car, there's a prompt to take it back to a base with a vehicle collection point and then it gets added to your collection. And Time out. I'm going to save you some time. Outside of very few weapons in the game, you can take your phone out, scan, scan the, the car, car, and then it just is yours. Yep. You don't have to You don't to even have to worry about it. You can just scan the car with your phone. You can't do it with military vehicles. Yeah, you can't do it with tanks like any and choppers. Any vehicle you want, pull your phone out, step back so the you whole frame is... have got to be kidding me. No, it'll create like a green like rectangle Tom, around don't it, worry. and then it's Don't done. feel bad because it took me the second playthrough through the game to realize that you could do that. I didn't do it anyway. I didn't do it either. I didn't I didn't know it until like I was watching another person Every play other goddamn time in my first playthrough, I drove that thanks use me back to pardon my french pardon my friend pardon my french i drove thousands and thousands and thousands of meters yeah. across hostile territory it's yep. like oh this one's like a sports car cool yeah. and i'm not even like a car guy and i don't know why it was so addictive yep. to me oh, like yeah, i just played forza horizon i'm like ah oh, so many cars 500 cars it's like how many do you really need and in Far Cry 6, like, I needed all of them. It's like, oh, I haven't seen that before. This one has a hula girl in the hood. All right, let's Taking this thing that. back. Ooh, yeah, this is worth yeah. it. Oh, my goodness. That is that is crazy and silly. Um, Brian, how did you attack this game? You're not a story-driven guy, so did you just, like, beeline straight to Castillo and shoot him in the head or what? No, I, I, I kept... I wanted to have my own experience, so I spent... Before I even finished off... The Montero families, which is the first island, by the way, the first territory, excuse me. Before I even finished off their mission, I had an, I had closed out every outpost and every single uh, like checkpoint in the game prior now, to getting to that point. Was that an exceptionally difficult thing? Because there are different rankings in the game. Like the first areas that you go into are rank three difficulty. So like you have a few baddies there. They you might encounter some tough guys here and there. And then there are outposts that are like rank seven or rank eight. Right out of the gate. The second that you can unlock, and we'll talk about weapons here in a second, but the the second that you unlock armor-breaking bullets, armor-piercing, excuse me, it's it is, it's almost broken. It's one shot to kill virtually anything in the game as long as you hit him in the head. And it... Depending on what gun you have, though. Right. I was using I was using an assault rifle. Because if you have a gun with low damage, yep. you will not one kill him. I, I had an assault rifle with a single round burst, and that was enough to kill 
anything up to the end. This is super interesting to me. It took me a solid 10 hours before this game got its hooks into me. Like I was very unsure of my feelings towards it for that first 10 hours. It's because I couldn't find any guns that like mesh with my playstyle. Like until I found a bow and I could start picking dudes off silently, I was not into this game. So like Ryan, you spent a lot of time early on exploring and finding weapons. Do you think that changed your enjoyment of the game? I wouldn't say. I'd say no. The, the thing, the game is great on how much variability you have for weapons. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But the game allows you to find a lot of different weapons that have preset variability to them that you can't alter. That are. I had a shotgun that did fire damage, for instance. Yeah, the El Fuego, which is awesome. A lot of them were completely worthless. Like it's it's like an SMG that has poison rounds. Well, I'm not going to use that because it's going to be loud, and I have to get close enough to use the SMG to hit. So there's a lot of things that functionally just didn't work. And when I had an assault rifle that I got on level one that I sent, which I love in all the Far Cry games, you can set your rifles to either burst, auto, or single round. I love that because it lets me customize well how I want to approach the situation. Me too. But one round to the head on almost anything. It, with that, even the base sniper rifle, I never ran into a single thing I couldn't one-shot in the head. And now on my second playthrough, I'm using a Desert Eagle, which is more effective than any sniper rifle in any of the Far Cry games I've ever played. Armor-piercing with a six-time scope and a silencer. I'm... Everybody's a one-shot as long as I hit him in the head. Everybody! And that just... It's so good, it seems broken. I appreciate when a game doesn't just make enemies bullet sponges. If it takes like three headshots to take down somebody, I find that immersion breaking. But I understand how uh, frustrating that must be for you to just walk through all combat scenarios. Yeah, and, and, and to digress, the actual question was how do I approach the game? I, I went and unlocked everything because if you um, you can approach uh, people in the field, if you save them, they'll give you information, which is also like, hey, you know, there's a there's a um, there's a crate over here, there's a supply drop yeah, over there, over there. there's a gun. there's a road blockade here, and I just kept going to all those things. So by the time that like Billy was telling me, hey, I'm wrapping up the game, I'm like, oh, I'll play the story now. And like 20 hours later, I'm like, why won't this story end? I'm at a point where I've united the group. We're ready to go. And now they're like, hey, let's do a side mission to go to an island and have a party. I'm like, what are we doing? Why aren't we going to the capital to kill this guy? He's like murdering our people. And we're getting bombed off Jose Cuervo. Like, what's the point of this? I didn't. It just just felt like filler towards the end. Because this is easily the longest story of any Far Cry game. And Brian's not a story guy. Billy, I'll pivot to you. Do you agree with that statement? Was there filler at the end, or was it an appropriate length for a long experience? Brian's correct. It is is the longest, for sure. Story-wise, too many side characters. I'll go with that. Your main story characters, the 67, the Monteros, and the uh, rap group. I keep forgetting their name. I'm sorry. Um, Great stories. Absolutely. Their own separate stories of different characters in each of those groups. Um, really well done. The Yarin stories to either earn experience or to earn a lieutenant in the Bandidos missions that you can do. Um, too many, in my opinion. Too many. I only did the ones where you Way get the lieutenants. Too many. And that's what I did on my second playthrough. If you can get a lieutenant on a Yarin playthrough rather than just either Yarin coins or experience... I didn't do them. Too much time and not really worth the reward because you would get like 150 experience points. And once you start getting up into like the 9, 10 levels, 
It's not enough to matter. Blowing up a truck was 10 experience points for reference. Right. It just, it it didn't make ROI sense. Story-wise as a whole, could have done with less characters. The characters they did have in the main storylines, I thought very well done. So there's racing in this game. How well was that implemented? I don't know. I hate racing in games. Didn't do one. Yeah, I didn't do one either. Like, I don't play Far Cry to do racing. I hate I hate when a game takes something from another genre and sticks it in. Like, there's racing in The Witcher, for Christ's sakes. Like, I d- no, I, it's so stupid. That's what burned me out on that, Grand Theft. Same and thing. the fact, I appreciated that in this game you didn't have to get an item. Or, no. I didn't appreciate in 4 and 5 where you had to do a racing mission in order to unlock said skill tree level. Which we'll talk about here in some of the shortcomings of this game. There are no shortcomings in six. It is priceless. <laughs> and then really from a global approach, did you tackle more story first? Did you tackle more exploration? Like how did you um, like try to take down this beast of a game? Same approach. I think it was a lot of exploring, a lot of side quests, taking out checkpoints, because when you take out a checkpoint, you get a new character you get a new little side character that comes up and gives you some information on uh, anti-aircraft. You also get and fast so travel points, you can, which like, are crucial. Dip back and forth and really open up the map a lot by just unlocking these places and getting a new little guy from, you know a, a new helper that'll just be like, Hey, I found an anti-aircraft. And you're like, cool. And then you go there and then you get you know, some uranium to uranium, upgrade your supremo. Yeah, depleted uranium. So, yeah, I, I followed those. Given infinite time, I would have done something very similar. But feeling crunch for time, I was just trying to burn through the story stuff to see as much mm-hmm. as I could. So what weapons and tactics did you employ against Castillo and his goons? Brian, it sounds like your loadout doesn't change much from Far Cry to Far Cry. Was it standard order here as well? Pretty close. The The shotgun, particularly the semi-auto shotgun, was really overpowered. You get a headshot on anybody, they're down. Um, even chest shots, most people are down. And the fact that it's semi-auto in nature, like, pop, 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 done. So um, that was really different. Um, the Desert Eagle, I have a lot more respect for in my second playthrough. It, uh, six times scope with a, um, silencer on it. Broken. Man, that thing can, it's, it's as strong as any sniper rifle that you can find in the game. One shots everybody. It is cool how this game really put a lot of emphasis on what's called the workbench, which basically means that every weapon in the game, You've got a base model for it, right? But you can add um, anything from sights to lasers, which give you better hipfire mobility. To magazines, to, to ammo to types. To magazines, to ammo types. You've got incendiary rounds, which set people on fire. You've got poison rounds, where if you hit them with it, they'll they'll become confused and start to attack their own um, their own allies. Um, you've got armor piercing, basically anybody that's got more heavier gear on them or punching through helmets. You've got soft target, uh, that's another option as well. There's just a ton of different ways that you can spec this stuff out. Blast rounds. Blast rounds are essentially making the ve- the weapon that you're using a lot more effective against vehicles. You can take down a tank with a properly outfitted machine gun. So the game tried to give you a lot more availability. The problem was... Go ahead with the problem. The problem was is that you wind up having all of these options for utility, how to do it, but most of them just aren't all that effective. They're useful. They create a little bit more chaos, but they're not the most 
efficient way to work. And I will add on that I had trouble, especially in the early game. This is another thing that I struggled with early in the game was I didn't have the resources to upgrade my weapons to like tailor them to a specific encounter. Like I had enough to like put armor piercing rounds on one gun or to put a scope on one gun. And it's like, well, if I'm supposed to change my loadout for each one of these encounters, because there's a workbench outside of like every fortress, there's workbenches everywhere. I appreciate that they are trying to give me a diverse toolbox, but I found a sniper rifle that went right through helmets. I found a bow that went right through helmets. Those were my go-to weapons, and then when someone got close, I used El Fuego and just pumped them full of shotgun shells and lit everything on fire. El Fuego, the gun was like one of my favorites for half the game. Yeah, I used it a lot. I recently started using a machine gun just to try to mix it up a little bit, a machine gun with blast rounds. The, the, the battle that you run into is essentially... The game really wants you to be able to customize these guns as much as you want, but here's and here's the part where the game kind of got confused, I feel like. You could customize the gun, but however you customize the gun, when you step away from the workbench, the difference between six and the rest was you were no longer bound to just carrying the four guns. Yes, you had three active guns and a sidearm, but at any point you can hit the start button go into your backpack, and load any one of the guns into any one of those slots that you've used. And that just feels like how it should work. Because I played a fair amount of 6, and I was into it, and like I was swapping out weapons here and there. Then I jump back to 4, and I'm like, I only have two weapon slots unlocked at the beginning of 4. And it's like, I, why can't I change to my sniper rifle? Why can't I put my shotgun in there? Why can't I put my assault rifle in there? It's like, oh, I have to travel back home to change out weapons, and like... I get, from an immersion standpoint, they want you to think about where you're going and prepare yourself for that adventure, but like, you know, I haven't played this game before, I don't always know where the adventure is, I don't always know the right tool for the job, so it sounds like a small quality of life improvement, just being able to summon your magic cache of guns and equip your character from anywhere, but I think that was a crucial change that they made to make the game just more fluid and fun, and like, let you get into chasing the bases more where the fun is, and not fast traveling back to your wardrobe to change your loadout. But there were shortcomings with it too, because they didn't let you carry more than four at a time. You've got 30, 40 guns, and say you want to switch to a rocket launcher, which you don't have on you, you got to go on your menu, go through all that stuff. Give me a second weapon wheel. A second weapon wheel would have let me have another four utility guns. That would have been amazing. That would have been super useful. Or even some of the steps backwards with a bow. In five, in four, I can have a bow, I can have incendiary arrows, regular arrows, bomb arrows. I can have all of them in my bow and all I gotta do is go open the weapon wheel and then quick hit a toggle button for what kind of arrows I want. In five, once you set your bow, that's it. I have my bow set to EMP arrows because it's fun to drop helicopters out of the air with one shot, mm. but that's all it can do. If I want to use anything else, I got to go back to a workbench, I got to switch it into, into uh, explosive rounds, and then go from there. I feel like two weapon wheels is too much. Billy, what are your thoughts? Where, yeah. Are you with Brian or are you with me? Don't be on the wrong side. No, I'm kind of in between both of you. I appreciated the fact that you couldn't just have an access to a thousand different guns at the push of a button. You, what would be interesting is if you could have different loadouts for detected versus undetected. So like you'd have all your stealth stuff, and then once you're like in an open firefight, it automatically switches mm -hmm. to your Absolutely. loud automatic weapons. I don't want to carry a rocket launcher around with me, and but then how often are helicopters showing up, Billy? Well, like, that's the thing. All and, the freaking time. But then going and playing through four again after playing through six... There would be times where I forgot what my loadout was, and I would wind up in like this big battle, and then I would pull the guns out, and then I'm like, 
sucked. I forgot to load up my rocket launcher and I only have a bow and arrow and a pistol and a shotgun. You know, this is not going to be fun. And then I need to like, I can't, I just have to do it this way because I, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm torn in between right now. So I can't say whether or not it's a good thing to have access to all your guns or a bad thing in six. I'll finish with this. And I I definitely want to hear what your thoughts on this because you've gone through the whole series. Yep. With six, I feel like there were ways that they tried to give us more choice, but when they gave us more choice, the choices weren't meaningful, impactful, meaningful, impactful choices. Like I like all the weapon and ammo varieties. That's awesome. But if I can one shot a guy in the head with this ammo type and this other one, it's going to take me 30 shots of the body to get him down. Well, what's the point? And Tom, to your credit, I think having a loadout for detective versus non would have solved a lot, a lot of those problems, but we didn't have access to it. And that, that would have been a really helpful thing. So clearly I should work in game design. I, I think I it's think an so. idea. So it's, there's steps in the right directions and then there's steps backwards from the weapon standpoint. There's a lot of other things for quality left. They did awesome. Yes. But for that area, that was tough. I think it's a less is more type of situation. Yeah. They tried to cram a lot more stuff into this. Billy, you think that silencers were an absolute must-have in this game? Yep. I think that Far Cry is less fun when you're detected. Like, it's just less fun when it's an open firefight, and you lose that sense of being a predator. And uh, I agree. Silencers are everything. Like, if you don't have a silent way to take down enemies... Yep. And I appreciate it in this game where you had to pay attention to what silencer you had on you. You didn't just get to go and just go, silent, 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 They broke. That was kind of nice. They broke. They overheated, and then you all of a sudden became super loud. So if you you effed up, you're going to pay for it, and people are going to be alerted to your gunfire. That means you have to save up some resources to buy a better silencer. Correct, yes. You have to get to a better silencer that overheats less quickly than its predecessor. So I My sniper rifle, I think, got four shots before it overheat. Yep. 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 So yeah, silencers, I think, for sure huge factor into this game the guns also had mods too which were a little bit different so like some you could make it so your gun gave you life if you hit an enemy you had somewhere like one that was super useful what that i didn't realize how useful it was was um it reloads reloading this weapon reloads all guns so yeah. my desert eagle i would i would uh i'd had the rocket launcher with the six chamber which takes for the rocket launcher the, the the grenade launcher which takes forever to reload I would run out of that, flip to my Desert Eagle, fire one bullet, reload it, go back to it, and it's full again. I thought some of that stuff was <laughs> really fun. Yeah, the mods were fun if you could do them right and you had the right combos. There'd be ones that would, you know, you would regenerate life quicker if you had this mod on. There would be another mod that was a cooldown effect where your silencers would not overheat as fast as they normally would. So, yeah, you could play around with a lot of stuff. So there were some good benefits to the modification system for the weapons and six, but there was also a lot of drawback too from taking away the skill trees in six. Cause you didn't have skill trees in six. That'll be one of the shortcomings we talk about for yep. sure on my end. Yep, exactly. Did, did you guys use any of the resolver weapons? Like that was one area the game yes, wanted I to did. push. Yep. Tell me your experience with that. I find them fun to use Which for what they were. Uh, the giant Gatling gun. Oh, I with used. the engine. That was, fantastic. that thing was the, way. Yeah, the lawnmower engine. I just thought that was just fun just to load up. I used the harpoon gun a little bit. Yep. I didn't use resolver weapons very much. Uh, it was, that one was I used towards the end when it yep. came to like big armored guys or 
or uh, helicopters and stuff like that. The Gatling was so good. And then the one that's like the fireworks that essentially you shoot out, the barrage yeah, of rockets. That, yeah, I didn't use, use that it one. Because it can take out a tank in almost one one volley. Right. And if there's two choppers, they'll go up, split, and both chopper goes down in one shot. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it actually makes it really good for taking out uh, yeah, vehicles. See, I, and I, didn't, into that. I didn't discover that till, till like this last week. Right. I have to put how many hours in. Yeah, because you can't mod those guns, so... No, I don't really think so. I think what you have is what you have. They're they're like the locked in versions. I use that one to take down the uh, AA guns. The AA guns? Yeah. Anti aircraft. Yep. Yeah. Oh, got you. Yeah. That's rockets. Yeah. Pew, 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 I pew, use pew, dynamite pew. all the time. I'm just like, ah, oh, what's my cheapest resource to do this? <laughs> dynamite. Yep. I don't have dynamite. I have like a rock and a Molotov, or a baseball and a Molotov. But the EMP grenades really good. Pipe bombs really good. The the proximity mines. Billy and I. I didn't use the proximity mines virtually any time unless Billy and I were online together. Yeah. That was good for like blocking ladders so people yeah. can get to. There's us. one that you can unlock. That's a number four star, and it's a it's an engineer's turret. So you can like pop down a machine. Oh, the auto turret. The yeah. Auto turret. You can nice. pop one down and like just kind of hold your ground. Pretty cool. That's awesome, Brian. You spent a lot of time unlocking the different areas, clearing the checkpoints. How did you get around this game mostly? Like, and so the cool thing about Far Cry is one of the big things of the game is the wingsuit. Um, if you guys have ever watched a video where like someone jumps out of a plane and they look like a, a essentially a flying squirrel, that's the wingsuit, and it's really cool because it lets you cover a lot of uh, area like laterally. Um, and one of the things that the game allows you to do, and this is something that I think Five allowed, I for the first time it lets you airdrop over a location so i can unlock a, a base or a hideout or a say it's a checkpoint that i've unlocked and i see okay look not too far away is another area i want to go to when i hover it over i can either fast travel there with square or i can hit triangle and i can airdrop airdrop drops you maybe 500 meters in the air open your parachute figure out where the are trying to go and then you can open up your wingsuit and then you can just book there once I unlocked enough things, I stopped using virtually any car because it's just so much faster to airdrop to places. It's also risky to airdrop into places because if you're airdropping into a place that's got anti-aircraft and you drop into a no-fly zone, they will shoot you out of the air if you're in your wingsuit. So yep. you are still detectable. I so found that out. It's difficult can... if you're dropping into an area that you know you haven't yep. you haven't like pinged the location of the anti-aircraft because all of a sudden you're like... And then if if you get Flyer, low enough, settle down now, and it's like oh god. <laughs> yep. And if you get low enough, they won't fire. I don't. That's I, tough with a wingsuit. It thing. is because if you don't if you don't hit it right, you're gonna hit the ground. Um, First time I used a wingsuit, crashed to my death. Well, guess, guess what? Even when you're good at it, it still happens because sometimes it <laughs> just all the time. This the Far Cry series I love. The wingsuit is the most temperamental thing. You'll jump off a rock cliff. And, like, as you're dropping, I think you have to drop a certain amount of distance before the wingsuit prompt opens. And then sometimes it just doesn't open. And then you just hit the ground and you're like, well, what the... I'm just, I just jumped and this should have kicked in. This is a basic mechanic and it happened in three, four, five, six. I I don't get it. Not three. There wasn't a wing. No, wait. Yeah, yeah, there was. There was. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's yep. right. Yep. Where was that? Where did that happen? Did the wings. Where'd you get it? I, th- I thought it was you, pretty early. I think you got it. Oh, house. you got it with Agent uh, Willis, didn't you? Maybe. It was It was early on because once I got that, I stopped using gliders because that was just insta-deathing me. That's right. <laughs> just aim for the ocean and then swim a half mile in. <laughs> you didn't have a parachute in three. Right, right. And that's the parachute's super useful, too. I'm sorry. Yes. You didn't have a parachute. So, yeah. 
There are also Amigos in this game. You get Animal Companions. We've talked quite a bit about it. You two have very differing thoughts on your favorite Animal Companions. Is there anything else about that system that you want to talk about here? As far as Amigos go? Yeah, the Amigos. Nope. Pretty much covered it earlier on. I think we're good on that. Pretty straightforward. They all had their little unique things to them. Yep. Well, let's talk about our favorite moments in Far Cry 6. For me, it's actually tied to the Amigo system. Getting the death metal rooster in Chincharon. Chicharon. Chicharon. Oh, my goodness. What does that mean? Anybody know? I think it means bad rooster that's going to claw everyone's face off. If you try to pet it, it's going to pick at your eyeballs. I know Carrizo... Chorizo is sausage. Means sausage, and he looks like a sausage. I was like, that's a very fitting name for this dog. Yeah, he's a wiener dog. I, I just, I loved everything about acquiring Shincharon. He, I thought he was super fun. The there's a mission where that rooster wants to take down a statue, so you have to fight off waves <laughs> of guys with like heavy metal music playing. It was so silly and fun. That was one of the few moments where I thought they could see you, and the game is okay. Shincharon. Shincharon means pork grind. <laughs> of course which is hilarious Ryan one of your favorite things about this game as a fan of the series this was the first time that Far Cry ran on 60 frames per second and in, uh, the fact that I had played I'd gone 3, 4, 5 before jumping back into 6 it was like buttery smooth when I got back into the game and plus the lighting dynamics like there was some of like this like the the, the what's the, the way to describe a light beam in uh, Far Cry 5 when you have like the light penetrating through the trees of the forest like it's really pretty like radiant light in 6 it, it takes it to a whole new level everything is so smooth um, so that was the, the graphical upgrade for that regard was was really fantastic um, the size of the map was awesome I love the poison rounds because it, you could create some chaos if you just want to use them I thought you said you never use poison rounds I used them occasionally in a sniper rifle if I'm far enough back I'd shoot it into groups and just watch them kill each other I, I thought that was kind of funny it sounds like how I used to approach the bases where I'd find the captive animal and I'd shoot the cage to release the animal yeah essentially if you wanted to it's the same thing um, I really liked the Supremos as well. Um, we haven't Let, talked about those. No, let's break down Supremos right now. Early in the game, you rescue a gorilla named Juan Cortez, and he develops experimental weaponry, including these Supremos, which is a backpack of death. Yeah. yeah. One-shot rockets. Some of them. Some of them. So the med pack one. That's a backpack of, backpack of life. So that's a little different. But there were, what, 8, 12 of these things that you can unlock? As you level up in the game, the big reward is that you unlock new Supremos that you could research. And you have to get a resource, depleted uranium, from anti-aircraft guns around the world. So you have to do these side things to get the resource to build these Supremos. Mm -hmm. For me, I didn't find them very compelling. Like, I had my rocket one. I'm like, okay, good. I'm set. There's a late stage one that just winds up being the only one you care about. Billy, before you got to that one... Mm -hmm. What were you using? And I'm not worried about Supremo spoilers. It's mostly just story stuff. Yeah, we can talk well, about we'll break games. down that one in a second. I wasn't using Supremos. I was using the side things that you got from Supremos, like the dynamite and grenades yeah, the gadgets. and healing potions. And oh, stuff that's like how that. you got gadgets. Yeah, yes. they're connected to the Supremos. So, each one the Supremos. <laughs> so you have to go into the Supremo at a workbench, and then you can get more than just a baseball and dynamite. Okay, well, good to know. Freaking, freaking good to know. And they they dramatically increase the amount of gadgets. They really you can do. Use. So if you got more, if you got more stuff, you can unlock more. That's when you get like 
that engineer's machine gun turret. That's when you get like sticky grenades That's and all that That's interesting. I have a big pile of depleted uranium that I'm just sitting on because I'm not intrigued by the other Supremos. It's like, well, that doesn't top rockets, so I'll well, just Depleted see uranium does not unlock those. You're talking more like your normal resources is going to unlock what the Supremos side things have. Oh. So I should depleted look at uranium is going to get you those Supremo weapons. And the backpacks. Yeah, the, the rocket. It. The rocket Supremo is the one you start with, and to be honest, it's the best in a lot of ways for a lot of them. There's a backpack that lets you auto respawn yourself, so if you're downed, you can get yourself up. There's one that uh, has you like jump up in the air and create like a like a flame burst. There's another one that creates like a poison cloud around you. Uh, there's another one that fires off a large scale EMP, which just shuts down anything electronic within like so many meters of you. And then there's an apps. Oh, there's a melee one as well. But there's a completely broken one that you get towards the end of the game where basically it's it's part of this tribal quest that you get. This is also, I think, how you get that crazy jaguar um, that has the kind of the, the almost paranormal abilities to it. But this backpack, um, you have it on, and it it is paired with a unique resolver rifle. And when you activate it, what happens is it makes everything in the world almost like this thick fog, but you can see every single enemy through walls within about 200 yards of you. Hmm. And as long as you have that rifle, you can kill them. So you can shoot through walls. I mean, if you want to go through an outpost with this thing, you'll finish it off in 20 seconds. 15 seconds tanks can be rolling in you can see the driver kill the driver doesn't matter the tank's yours now there's a helicopter above you guess what you can see the guy sitting in the chair shoot him once with the rifle he's done it's it's completely overpowered and late stage that's all i ever used for for the the supremo at least yeah you kind of become the predator at that point (laughs) it's crazy yeah i don't feel like i would enjoy using that very much like that feels like too much like that's like Dialing the game down to easy. Factor, you know what I mean. Yep. Just kind of blow through one thing. I'd use it I when I was know. when I wanted to speed something along, but I wasn't using the Supremo much anyway. Supremo was barely used on my right. Mind. So I was just like, okay, if I want to get this part done on this particular outpost, okay, I can see everybody dead. Yeah, I used the rocket launcher one if I ran out of ammo to take out a tank or something like that. Then I used it, but no, I really didn't use the Supremos all that much. Yeah, Brian's the big cheater. I guess. Billy, you like that there was apparel in the game and the effects of certain clothing you wear. I did not know that this was a thing. I didn't even know that you could change baby Tigre's clothing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And Neat. you can customize you know when you which open one. Up, like, when you open up um, treasure chests and you get like gloves and boots and oh. stuff like that. Oh, yeah, of course. That type of apparel is yeah. what I'm talking about. Well, I'm a big dumb idiot. Yes, I, <laughs> yes, I changed baby Tigre's clothes to... Yeah. 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 I liked that. I thought it was cool that you could... You know, that was their way of getting rid of the skill tree is you could kind of like pick and choose. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't yeah. think about it that like that. You could pick and choose how you wanted your character to roll through. You could give yourself some more blast damage, uh, resistance, that run, as that well speed as bursting, speed burst, choose. <laughs> so you could kind of choose how you wanted Danny to kind of roll through. Well, let's get Yara. into the skill tree then. Far Cry has always had a skill tree. You shoot dudes, you get experience, you level up, you buy things off a skill tree with skill points. That's gone in 6, gone forever. Well, maybe not forever, but gone for 6 for sure. I missed having a skill tree, although I didn't realize it when I was first playing 6. It's when I hopped back to 4. It's like, oh yeah, this is how I got all my cool stealth stuff. I missed that. Yep. 
and it's fun because you're always thinking about that next unlock with the clothing. You didn't know what you were going to get. You no. weren't moving in any specific direction. Also, if you didn't have the resources, you couldn't get that unlock. Or if you had to jump into a base and kill a bunch of dudes to maybe find a treasure chest if you remember to go and get it to get said clothing. You didn't know where that was. Whereas a skill tree, yeah, you wouldn't mow down a bunch of MFers and then you could get the experience points to possibly get that upgrade. So I prefer the skill tree. It gives me too. Takes. I love the skill tree, but I yeah, I agree. I, I found I stopped doing treasure hunts because I couldn't get perk points. There's too I didn't many, do them anymore. Yeah, there's too much there's too many pieces of there's too many articles of clothing that you can get in this game. Because they start at one and it's like you know, four different shirts, four different pants, four different boots, four different gloves, four different helmets, four different wristbands. And then it goes to two and then it repeats and then three and then repeats and then four and repeats. And then there's special clothing that you can get as well. So I think they went a little too overboard on those. I see where they were going with it because like I said previously, it's their way of taking place of the skill tree and kind of letting you have a really gigantic, um, you have a lot of freedom to do whatever you want with your character rather than this experience points will get you said skill and that's it. Did you know that you can take the clothing, like say there's a, a jacket that has a property you want, but you don't like the look of the jacket. You can switch that property onto another jacket. No, I, did I, not I learned that, that only because I read it. So basically <clears throat> my guy is dressed. He looks like Miami vice white jacket or she does white jacket, teal undershirt, white pants, gold shoes, Looks like a Coke dealer out awesome. on the rampage. It's just the best. I did not know that. Yeah, I had no idea either. Brian, you like the cockfighting system in this game. It's another side thing that you can do. You can find roosters all over the world. Like, I did not dabble with cockfighting at all because I was trying to burn through main story quests. What made this system so interesting? I needed money. And getting money in this game is brutally hard. You're picking up, like, barely anything off enemies that you've killed. Yeah, whereas in Far Cry 4, when, like, you kill a dude, you get, like, 3,000 rupees or whatever that Yeah, and it, it adds up pretty quick. In this one, it just didn't. And you could actually win the prize money for getting through the tiers for the cockfighting was actually really worth it. I love it how they almost made it, like... Tekken or Street Fighter, they have life bars, they have moves, it's almost like a paper rock scissors with how you kind of approach them during the fight, but as odd as it is, uh, this one had the most blowback from a public standpoint, there was a lot of uproar about the cockfighting in the game, like a lot, and even when you look at it, it's like, well, there's really no blood, there's no violence, it's just two birds knocking each other out that get picked up and they're hugged afterwards, but people were really pissed about it. In our country, people feel very strongly about animals, I... And I get that. I respect that. But in other parts of the world, there's different cultures. Like, there are areas of the world where cockfighting is a real a real part of their culture and, like, their entertainment scene. And I guarantee they don't pick up those roosters when they're done and give them a hug. Yeah, no kidding. Like, there's you got a lot of roosters running around with vision damage due to what's going on, and they don't care. But that's... I think that's just part of like a, it's a first world thing, right? We like to think that as humans, we have this higher cognitive thinking. Um, but the reality is, is that if you, if you take things away from humans, we kind of have some different opinions on the matter. And I appreciate, I appreciate the exposure to it because we live in a place where there is no cockfighting. But, you know, playing this game, experiencing this piece of art gives me just a little flavor of something else in the world. Like there, like I said, there's a place in the world where this is a thing and this really happens. And like, Living in the middle of Minnesota would never have occurred to me. So I appreciate that Ubisoft and Creed included it just from like 
an education perspective. Yeah, that's why it's hard to limit art, right? I mean, there's there's certain like degrees that you can push it. Um, I mean, the one that's always extreme to me is the, that group that made the combine um, video game. Basically, the boys going through school shooting. They built that as a game. The question is, is how far can you let it go before we have to limit these things? There's a gray area to taste, right? But I thought this was done in good taste. I don't think it was made to be something that was, like, vulgar or brutal. Yeah, and it's not encouraging us to go out and, like, buy roosters and start our own cockfighting ring in the background. Like, it just, it gives us a little bit of exposure to something else in the world. Billy, you liked dominoes. <laughs> I just thought it was fun. Yeah, just a nice little aspect of the game. I didn't play I any dominoes was either. Was that just was kind of like it. how you would play Texas Hold'em in three? And mm-hmm. did they have games in four? Nope. I don't think they had games in five either. I don't play any mini games in games. Like I remember they had the Far Cry Arcade. They had arcade in yeah. five. I remember in, when Grand the mini Theft- games. Yeah, the mini games. I enjoy. I like Texas Hold'em. So three was fun to play Texas Hold'em in. And then I've never really played Dominoes, but I kind of learned how to play Dominoes when I played Inman 6. Oh, well, way to gain some culture through yeah, art. Just a little bit of culture there. Yeah, fun stuff. Yeah. I really enjoyed sneaking into anti-aircraft guns and blowing it up with my Supremo. Like, more than, like, picking off all the dudes around it. Like, I'd try to find a little opening where they weren't watching and get in there and blow it up, like, right in front of them. For some reason, that was just <laughs> super satisfying. It's like, rub it in their thing, face. Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and then run back into the woods. Uh, bandito system. The bandito the system. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, this is a system where it's a completely side thing. You can skip it if you want to, but throughout the game, you'll be recruiting so these. It'd be so hard if you did. Throughout the game, you're recruiting these lieutenants that you can send off on these side missions. For anyone that's played Final Fantasy Tactics, it's actually like the system in there where you send your characters off to do side things while your main party is progressing the story. And. There are various rewards. I didn't get very deep in the bandito system because. I was just running story missions. I didn't recruit very many lieutenants. Brian, why was this such a pivotal part of the experience for you? It was a it was a way to generate money, and that this game is really stingy on currency. It's just hard. So the bandito system, you can put people out on missions in real time. Like, oh, this mission will take two of your lieutenants. It's going to take three hours. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have your number of recruits that can get dwindled, you can also have your lieutenants be injured and you can't use them for a certain period of time. You can win things like gunpowder, which is used to upgrade um, weaponry. Um, you can win what's called moneda. Moneda is another form of currency in the game that is used to buy really specialized items from the black market um, dealer. And you can either get moneda from doing special ops or you can get moneda very rarely from doing the bandino missions. And a lot of it's just getting more currency. That was the whole point of it to me. Once I had enough running, then I could actually buy guns. I could do things. But up until then, I was so broke. I was running around with like base level equipment because you can't afford anything. That is true. It's it's tough to earn money in that game. Do you want to share the... Uh system you found for working the bandito system in your favor um so the game the missions are based in real time right what i mean by that is like you are going to send one of your five lieutenants i have i think there's like eight you can get i have five on a mission it's going to take two hours right and then now at the end of this mission if everything goes smoothly because some of these can fail there's percentage chances they could fail you're going to get you know five thousand pesos or whatever the currency is for the uh for yarna um and what you can do, you can go in, it's not based off any kind of timer that's connected to the internet. So what you can do is you can go into your system profile, go underneath your clock, 
and move your clock either forward enough that the, that time has passed, or I would just move one day at a time forward. So then I would go right back into the game. And on <clears> PS5, <throat> this is quick. You're bouncing in and out fast. And now you can quick go through it again. And I wound up, I did this for like 20 minutes, and I wound up generating something like, I don't know, like 15,000 pesos or whatever it was. And now I could buy whatever I wanted, and it made this grueling grinding thing a moot point. I discourage cheating in all of its forms and fashions. I would go with that. I like the bandito system because I like that. Hey, send some send some guys off and do some stuff for us. What I appreciate about that is it's not just this is going to take two hours and then you reap the rewards. When you are done with said timer, you get to go in and then you have like three choices to make on like how you want the banditos to perform said mission. Each one of those choices has three options with within it with three potential consequences or gains. From Correct. It. Or so what resources you have? What to resources use to you do have? It. So if you don't have enough gasoline, you can't do that this. That was always the trickiest one. If Gas you don't is have so enough tough. banditos, you can't do this one. So you really have to strategize before you come into these bandito missions because if you don't have enough resources or banditos, you just can't do them. They just won't allow you to do them. And then each of them has a percentage. Well, if you do this, you might lose up to five banditos and you're going to get an 85% chance that this section of three, one section of three is going to work. And sometimes it doesn't. And so you'll get less rewards for this and you'll lose banditos or gain banditos. So it's 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 it goes into it a little bit more, which I appreciate rather than just sending somebody out for two hours and then reaping mm-hmm. rewards when you're done. And if you and if you send if you lose enough people, you fail. You don't even get the outcome. Correct. Because it shows you so what... if you waited for four hours yep. and you failed, that's it. Too bad. <laughs> it shows you, you what get you can nothing. get. So there's like four or five missions. You can choose what you want for resources, but if you screw it up, too bad. And yep. then also, if you injure your lieutenant during it, which is also a possibility, now you got to wait so many hours before they're back to normal. Exactly. Uh, I love the Bandito system. It worked well with my play style where I was getting like an hour in a night after the kids went down before my own bedtime. Mm-hmm. So like I'd jump in, I'd start my Bandito mission, I'd go do my own thing, and then generally I'd come back, wrap up my Bandito mission, send them out again before bedtime. Yeah, it's perfect. One of the best additions to this game is the Insurgency, which I don't know if you guys have got a chance to do yet. So the Insurgency, it works week to week. It resets every Monday. And how it works is basically the game will return the certain regions or certain provinces back to the yarn military so when you load up it says hey you know there is this big bad guy that you want to catch and you've got to knock over two blockades uh you got or two military checkpoints two fortresses two anti-aircraft and then it usually asks you to do one um special ops mission and it rewards you in Moneda. And Moneda, like I said, is useful because it lets you buy weapons from the black market. These weapons change week to week and they're what's called overclocked. Basically, they're more powerful versions, more damaged versions of base weapons. So every week it gives you the chance to do this. If you decide to do all of it, because if you just do two fortresses, you'll get so much money. Two um, checkpoints, you get so much, yada, yada, yada. If you do the entire gamut that's required for the criteria, you also get extra money and a specialized weapon. It has guns that you can't get available in the base game, just really unique build guns. So you can do all that. And every single week, it switches over, so you get a chance to come back again. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. And you can get through it quick. 
I did mine last night for the week. It took me a total of maybe an hour and 10 minutes. Got mm-hmm. everything done. Yep. That's awesome. It, it gives you so much replay value. It's pretty fun. This is something they need to keep. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, uh, Tom, I would I would uh, contribute it to, uh, like, how the division, when you finish the division. Never finish the division. Never mind then. <laughs> Good game. Really enjoyed my time with it. Well, you gave me the division two. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Fun game. We should play that together. We should. And it happens to when you do uh, beat that game, kind of like with six. And it's not really a spoiler. So I think it's okay to talk about as you also we're not talking about the division. So spoil away, my friend. Okay. well, with the division, when you beat the game, like you're like, it's like, congratulations, you did everything correctly. Uh Oh, now the special ops forces is here and they're taking over everything. And you're like, well, did I really beat the game or not you know what i mean because they're just like there's so much left to do here's even harder baddies to beat and you're like come on but it's like that but in far cry 6 it's new content every week so they're kind of pumping it out to like if you want to keep buffing your character up and do new weapons and blah 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 you can which is cool that's awesome we're gonna need to wrap up soon here because we're three and a half hours in (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about where this game struggled, then we'll talk about DLC, and then we'll talk about our final thoughts and takeaways. For me, I mentioned it, this game took a solid 10 hours before I was into it. Until I found a bow, I just couldn't stalk enemies, and to me, the game just wasn't fun. I was dying constantly, I couldn't find good weapons, I was broke, I couldn't buy new weapons, and I just felt like the deck was really stacked against me until I found a bow. Brian, I know you took issue with the story dragging on, and... Castillo in particular like did that how far down did that drag the experience for you I still enjoyed it I mean it it had the fibers of a far cry to me even with some of the weird tweaks that they did I really did miss the leveling system um I thought the story lasted way too long but the thing is is for me the and that's for someone who skipped all the cutscenes most of them yeah and and the part that the thing is it still has that in-between stuff right it has if you look at an Oreo, it's the cream in the middle in between everything else. That's the best part of this game is all the stuff that isn't related to that campaign. It was still there. I still found my freedom, and then I still had a blast. And Billy, you thought the game was glitchy. What kind of things did you run into? I didn't encounter too much in my 25 hours. I'm also playing on a PlayStation 4, so I'm having a very different experience than you uh... two are. So I did find some glitches here and there, especially when I'm airdropping into locations and I'm getting close to the bottom of, say, the... Um, being able to open my chute at a safe distance, the game will like freeze and then like catch up with itself and then kick back. And oh, so Lord. like, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm playing on a little bit of a, and again, it's a pro. So I'm not like whining that I don't have the most up to date system because I'm very lucky to have a pro. Um, but I am experiencing some of those slowdowns when the game is trying to catch up with itself, some glitches with characters and NPCs, like, disappearing in front of me and reappearing in front of somewhere else you know it's just your your bugs that you would see in like youtube videos of games and stuff like well that. So at least it wasn't cyberpunk broken there's never played the game so that, i can't compare it to that um i'll say on the ps5 it was smooth for me i ran into very few issues so that's low, cool. and yeah, low no, that's times awesome. the low times were a godsend considering oh. how much we were fast traveling you have no um, idea how the <laughs> load times are in this game it's like it's it's, it's like maybe eight seconds and you're in <sighs> That's probably not eight seconds based on that, then. I pour one out for myself, but I don't have any booze left. (laughs) We drank it all, and I have to pee like crazy. Uh, Billy, you also thought there were too many characters. Brian, that's something you mentioned. Um, There were all these side quests for the different characters, and you felt like some of the rewards were lacking. Correct, yep. 
Uh, we did talk about it briefly before, so I don't need to go into big detail about it. But some of the yarn stories, some of the side stories, eh, not needed. Just time sucks for little experience, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Cool. <laughs> Any other areas? Well, I don't want to reiterate something we yeah. went into before. I'm just talking people's ear off at that point. So, no, I'm just... Yeah, yeah we really covered it. I think we're pretty thorough about that. Yeah, so yeah. that's just yeah, my final opinion. Were there any other areas where this game struggled that we ought to address? Skill tree, which we already I, addressed. Yeah, I so missed. I missed. I think a lot tree. of people are going to be pissed off about the fact that the skill tree is gone. Yeah, it's a bummer. But like, I didn't realize that it was gone until I went back to play Far Cry Four. I went from six to three, and I, I was like, "Oh man, the skill tree! I forgot how cool this is." And that's jumping back, what, three itinerations of it? I mean, that's right. a big jump to go backwards. Yeah. And it, it was something I missed. So. So there are some down points with this game, but I think, well, I'll save my final thoughts for the final thoughts. Mm-hmm. Far Cry 6 released in October of last year. There is DLC out for this game. I haven't touched it yet. Billy, I don't think you've touched it yet. Nope. But Brian, I know that you have and that you really enjoyed it. Can you tell us a bit about that experience? I touched all over it. So there's three ones... There's three DLCs, and what they basically do is they take the antagonists from 3, 4, 5 and give you some more backstory and create this world. So basically, it's Voss, which is insanity. They do one for Pagan Min called Control, and then there's one for Joseph Seed called Collapse. It's a roguelike, which is very interesting. So what they do is they put you in a very small little kind of map area that's based on the game itself. So the aesthetic is very strong, but it almost feels like you're in someone's kind of like insane mind. There's just a lot of like almost paranormal to it, but it's supposed to be within the minds of these characters. How it works, you start off in a home base. The home base has an armory where it has multiple guns that you can buy, and you have to pay with currency that you get as you kill things in the game to increase the um, level of the gun. I think each one has four. Each gun you buy has more power, more levels to it, more attachments to it. The other thing you can do is you can go look in the mirror, and in the mirror, there's four or five different categories that you can purchase that will stay with you from game to game. So you can have increased life. You can have uh, binoculars. You can have the ability that when you die, you get to keep some of the currency. You also have the ability to unlock more gadgets. These all are purchased and are permanent. Those are permanent changes that when you buy it. Now, when you get out of the main world, you've got different areas to go to. Um, there's basically brawl sites that you'll go to where you're, if you kill everybody, if you kill all the enemies that are approaching you, you get the bow or you get the sniper rifle, you get the SMG. Each one of these have a higher level of difficulty to them. So, SMG, it's a more effective weapon. It means that instead of killing, you know, eight people like to get the bow, you gotta kill like 20. The thing is in this game, when you die, it is a roguelike. You lose everything that is not a permanent unlock. And to begin with, you only have two syringes, and you can pick up more as you get open chests, stuff like that. But it does not take you much to die. So you get killed, you lose everything, you go back to the start point, and whatever guns you unlocked, you have to then buy them back. So you've unlocked them, you can use them, but you have to get enough money to go buy them. So to die is a very bad thing. Each one of these three, the goal is to go to three essential fortresses in the game, and you get a, as you beat them, you get a small token that has to be built. Um, for Voss, I can't remember, I think his were portions of the dagger, three pieces to the dagger like it was in three. For Pagan Min, it's a golden mask to hide his flaws, three pieces to that. And for Joseph, it's three pieces to the cross. Once all those are done, you then unlock the ending, which is basically you fighting waves of enemy. If you complete 20 waves, you can leave at 5. 
But if you complete all 20, you get some extra knowledge on the game. Voss, you find out, didn't die. Voss is sitting on a beach. He's, he's sitting there crazy as can be talking to a tennis ball, but he's still alive. You find out with Pagan Min. Pagan Min was the one that did the nuclear strikes to Montana. He mentions at the end, he's like, hey, Ajay, I got all of these, these warheads. I'm pointing them at somewhere in Montana because I'm tired of how the U.S. was messing with me. And you know what? Do with them as you like. So you realize he was the one that caused it. And then with Joseph, I haven't gotten far enough yet to get to the ending there. Um, and it's hopefully going to give me more detail on who was talking to Joseph in his head. Was it Joseph just being schizophrenic? Because as you're playing his version of it, the voice is talking to you and it sounds like a demon. Like it's explaining like, I gave you all this ability. I told you my vision and this is how you pay me. So it's really interesting. It absolutely changes up how the Far Cry feel works. Because if you die, it is a huge detriment. If you collected any of the three pieces, you lose them all. Unless you've bought enough levels in one of the mirrors. So um, I've beaten the first two. I went through all 20 waves on both. So now I'm working on the third. Fascinating. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it does. It's super different. I just wish they would have maybe twisted the structure a little between each DLCs. Because it's literally a remap of each one. It's a new. It's a region that looks like the area from the game, but it's the same exact template, like exact. There's no change to it other than locations and what are the three components that you need. There's that copy paste thing we were talking mm-hmm. about. Yep. Yeah. Well, at least they copy good stuff. Final thoughts and takeaways on Far Cry Six. I'll start. It's a great evolution of the formula. Far Cry Six is a great game. It's a great game. I think it is great for either established players of Far Cry or for new people. Joey said he was worried that the franchise has passed him by. I disagree. I think 6 is a great point for someone to jump on for the first time. I would suggest people play something before 6 just so they could see where it all started and where they evolved to with 6. But I disagree. Like 6 is such a polished and great experience. Like I can't Going from 6 to 4, that was jarring. And, like, 4 is a visually stunning game, but there was still... It was a big... It just felt different, and it didn't feel as good. Like, I think 6 is such a tight, polished experience that anyone can jump into it. I think you should jump from 4 to 6, actually. I don't know if you should skip 5, but I think 5 takes away a little bit too much of what 4 had and what 6 really brings to it as they're evolving as a a series. I wish I had played 4 when it came out. Yeah. That's my opinion on it. And I think Billy and I just have nostalgia goggles for it because it was it was our first introduction, right? Yep. That was we we think back to it and it was like, oh my god, that was so much fun because it was all brand new. I think six takes steps in the right direction. I I like what they're doing with some of the optimizations and some of the the freedom of how I can create an arsenal. And I think for every little bit of freedom they gave us, they also kind of removed a little bit of choice at the same time in small ways. So it's it is. It makes 100% sense to me why those reviews are so mixed. Because the game itself is mixed. There's ways that it definitely improved, and there's ways that you can argue that it took a step back. And I think that Metacritic score demonstrates that pretty clearly. Well, I really want to pick at that Metacritic score, because I think it is crazy that this game has a 74 and is the lowest rated game on Metacritic out of the ones that we talked about. I read a lot of those mixed reviews, and a lot of them said the formula is stale. The formula needs to change. The formula... I'm like... 
I don't think it needs to change. I think they're iterating on it. I think Far Cry is its own thing. I think if you assign somebody that likes a more frenetic and action-based first-person shooter, like a Wolfenstein fan on Far Cry, maybe doesn't make sense. I think it's a hybrid between stealth and FPS that I think is its awesome own unique thing. And like, you know, I don't really like stealth games. I like a more frenetic FPS experience, but Far Cry does its own... It does its own thing. It lives in its own space. Like I don't, I don't think that the formula needs to change dramatically. And I think that comparing Far Cry Six to all the other games as we did before maybe does it a little bit of a disservice. Comparing it as just its own standalone thing or evaluating on its own merits, I think it's a phenomenal game. If, if I can add to that, Billy and I have a feeling for Far Cry 4 because it's where we stepped into the series and it may not be the most acclaimed and a lot of people don't mention it as their favorite. They don't. They mention 3 as their favorite. That's what most people do. Very few people talk about 4. A lot of people do really like 5 even though the Metacritic score is a little bit lower. I think that... Metacritic can be deceiving. 5 sold gangbusters. Lots of people bought 5. It did. And I will say that I think that you have the opinion that you have based off that this is really your first big step into the entry. I think that does influence your decision a little bit. Um, Playing through 3, 4, 5, it's kind of... You can see how the mechanics are changing over time because you've just played all those games to their completion. And I think that 6 does a lot of good things. And if I was coming into this without having any experience from the other games, I would tell you, holy this was so different than anything else I've played. And it's a lot of fun and I love the freedom they give me. But knowing what freedom has existed prior, I think it taints my opinion a little bit on it. Yeah, both of you have absolutely great points. 6 is super fun. It is super fun. There are things that I miss from 5, 4, and 3 that they didn't have in six. We've talked about those in the past, so I won't go into it. Um, but it's a great game. It really is. Most it's polished, fun. for sure. It's polished. They knew what they were going for. They hired wonderful actors to do most of the characters. The voice actors that they hired for this game, they spent some money on it. They did and a there really, are a lot really of characters. well done job. And there's a lot of characters. Yeah. Did anybody use Male Danny? Nope. nope. Okay. Yeah, I just I had heard female Danny Slade. Female and Danny, like, I've heard like her voice actor. Good. Yeah, is and she did a really fantastic job. I prefer playing female protagonist if there's a choice as well. So it was a choice for me both times to go through as a female Danny. Um, final thoughts. I will 100% play the DLC because I enjoyed the game so much. I want to keep the story going, especially with the fact that they are introducing the three protagonists from the last three games and how they tie in because... No, I can't talk about that. That would be a spoiler. So you'll understand if you play through this game and then you play through the DLCs what I'm talking about and why I'm excited for the DLCs. You 100% understand, and especially if you've played through the other games you will understand why I'm excited for the ending of 6. I can't, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and I can't wait to see how you react to the roguelike. Because I, I die all the time in Far Cry. I die from jumping off a cliff. My, my parachute didn't come out. Or I blew myself up. Or any millions of different ways that I get murdered. Yep. This one, there's consequence to your death. I'm super interested because it changes how I played. I was so much more strategic <laughs> about where I was position-wise over this than any other one I played because you're underpowered and there's more of them. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. It sounds a lot like a Call of Duty Zombies experience. I wouldn't know because you left me with some random dude. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's your fault for following him. To summarize, Far Cry 6 is an awesome game. The Far Cry franchise is a very strong franchise and very unique in many respects. Check it out. Next month, Billy will be back as we break down The Batman with my amazing wife, Phoenix. We'll talk about the new movie, rank the actors who have portrayed The Dark Knight, and recap our experience playing the animated series board game. Thank you so much for listening to another mammoth episode of Outside is Overrated. Please review us on your favorite podcast platform and consider supporting our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash OIO. For Brian and Billy, I'm Tom Sidlogic at Tom Sidlogic OIO. We'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids. Okay, bye! Brian, you're wearing a plain white hat. Cheers. Yes. Simplicity. Looks like, like a dolphin hat to me. Looks like you're pure soul to me. That part was... That was good, boys. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> sorry, I, I, was I didn't know what to do when he asked me about that. I was like, uh... What the common injury? Like, well, I've known you for a long time, and that doesn't make any god sense. What's a common injury in an office place? Took an arrow. <laughs> a heart attack. <laughs> the copier ate my hand. <laughs>